When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Bandstand pick or pan Dick Clark. We're gonna pick it. We're gonna pick it. Yeah. I like the vibe. I like the vibe. This would have gone so well last night in Staten Island outside St. John's Vila Academy as the whole world was watching. Oh, yes. Let me hear it. Pump it up there, please. Just play music, and I'll intro it and do the outtakes. What do you think, Lou? The Lou Rufino playlist, as uh, emceed by yours truly, Curtis Lewa. As you heard, Andrew uh, Giuliani will be joining me momentarily. He was actually lining up to play golf this morning and forgot he's supposed to be here. This guy is a duffer. You know, you, you, the hardcore duffers line up at the first tee before the break of dawn. You know, they smoke their cigarettes, got to have a cup of coffee. They talk about their big birthers. Oh, you know, my my wedge, my wedge game, and oh, oh my putting. I got to work on my putting. Oof, I hate golf. I hate golf with a passion. But anyway, 
It didn't matter. I didn't go to Staten Island last night to go to Silver Lake Golf Course. I didn't go there to play at the Richmond County Country Club. I was there to join so many men and women in solidarity who had been maligned, who had been attacked, who uh, all of America were wondering, are these modern-day barbarians, you know, who are scraping their knuckles? And I got to tell you, Lou Rafino and Justin Ellick, as uh, a substitute for Sid today, who's away making more film history, I, I applaud him. Oh, I applaud him. God, if only he could land a few more roles, he won't be here anymore. He'll be in the Hollywood Hall of Fame. You know, Sid, if given the choice between being on the radio or styling and profiling and primping himself in front of a camera, you know what he would choose. Now, just think, this would be the opportunity for me to get back and do the morning show. You know how many times I've done the morning show in 35 years I've had more partners in talk radio than I've had ex-wives. Boy, I've had a lot of ex-wives, right? You could actually times it by four. We were doing the edition just the other day. I've had 18 partners in talk radio. 18! And then basically I said to management here when we moved over to the new spot, when John Katsimatidis and Red Apple Media became our parent company, rescuing us from the crypt that Cumulus had prepared to put us into as they had WPLJ and Nash destroying two of the great stations in the nation. That wrecking crew of Cumulus wanted to destroy WABC, the most iconic call letters in the nation, rescued, given another opportunity, now number one in the nation again. And I said to myself, wow. I could be doing a morning show. Just saying, wouldn't you love to be with me wrong way, Lou Rufino? Although knowing you, you'd probably cut all ties, head out to Hollywood. There you'd be on the Walk of Fame with Sid. who would be saying, wait a second, how come I didn't get an Oscar nomination? Did you see what a good performance? Well, let me tell you something. You know, Sid was a little testy towards uh, Staten Island yesterday. A little testy. He was upset that there was a little rumbling going on down at Gracie Mansion when I hosted on Sunday what we called Occupy Gracie Mansion. There's no doubt about it. He got very upset. I had to straighten him out yesterday. I had to say, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Hold on. Hey, say it. Would you reattach yourself to your Brooklyn roots? I, I realize you're in rarefied air now. You're a trendoid, a freakasoid, a jet setter. You know, soon to be on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. But understand, when you're in the streets, and a lot of people have to understand because a lot of people have been talking to me about what went down at Gracie Mansion on Sunday. When an an organized group, a paramilitary group like Antifa, comes and charges at you with the mantra that we... Crack skulls. They're not interested in First Amendment rights of free speech. Anybody has a right to be able to scream, yell, holler, go ahead, knock yourself out. That's the American way, and it always should be. But when a group actually comes to a rally, specifically to break it up, to bust it up, and then purposefully aims at a group of senior citizens who had joined us, 
to stop the tents, stop the migrants coming in to all of our neighborhoods, stop the invasion, then you know what's going to happen. That's a recipe for a throwdown. And although I'm not encouraging violence, although I'm not saying, gee whiz, it was the appropriate thing to do. What is a man to do when all of a sudden a group clad all in black from top to bottom with baklavas on, holding up black umbrellas? You know why they do that, because they've stored weapons somewhere on their bodies and they're prepared to get as close as possible and then start tossing them in your direction. Could be bricks, could be rocks, could be bottles, could be uh, bottles filled with water. And we had within our ranks numbers of men and women who were in their 70s, 80s. And remember, they had me, Mr. AARP, 69 years old. In fact, a lot of people, uh, Justin, were amazed at how nimble and quick I was out there as I was tossing guys all over the place because I was trying to stop a continued rumble in the streets of East End Avenue on East 88th Street. A Gracie mansion, a place that, I've got to be honest with you, the cops were telling me that Eric Adams, out-of-town Eric Adams, he was for a week, the swagger man with no plan, is almost never there. Almost never there. So here it is, we're protesting outside because the mayor himself had said, I need to set an example. I'm the general. I need to lead from in front of taking in migrants, migrant families, and showing everybody else what role they should be playing. He volunteered this. He wasn't asked this. This was a month ago at his daily press conference in which you see an army of zombies behind them staring staring like as if they're vapid into a series of phalanx of cameras. It happens each and every day. It's an army of the walking dead who line up behind them. They never say anything. I don't know what their role in government is, but they come out. They surround the mayor as he plays Jay-Z songs as if he's all of a sudden Derek Jeter getting into the batting box. You know, because he's had his Aaron Judge season. Not, But he actually volunteered. He said, my staff said that I should set the example. I should have some migrant families come into Gracie Mansion and set an example for the rest of the citizens where I'm pushing illegal aliens into their neighborhoods with no transparency overnight without any acceptance on even their local officials' parts, most of them who are caught in the lurch. They're not even informed. And so he made this offer one day, and then he flipped the script, or as he says, he pivoted and shift, I call it a flip-flop, And the very next day, he said, they told me I can't do it. And my response was, who told you you can't do it? And actually, we heard crickets. So the mayor, again, was asked, why did you even suggest it if you weren't going to do it? And he said, symbolism, symbolism. It's so important. Well, guess what? People were tired of symbolism. They want action. They want a plan. They want to stem the flow of the illegal invasion into our city and our state. And they're not getting a plan from Eric Adams, swagger man, who's all over the map. They're not getting a plan from Governor Crime Wave Holcomb, who's now at war with Adams, as Adams is at war at Holcomb. And you know what it always comes down to, money, money, moolah, schmoolah. 
The mayor wants billions. He's trying to shake down Holcomb. Holcomb's trying to shake down the federal government. The federal government shakes us down when we have to pay our taxes, and they are recycling our tax dollars and sending it in the direction of Catholic Charities and Cardinal Dolan. Catholic Charities. Many of you say, wow, isn't that a fine organization, an NGO? Well, there are some good things it does. I've come across them all over the nation as my role as leader of the Guardian Angels in 13 countries, 130 cities, with 5,000 members. I've seen good work that they've done, especially in poor and impoverished districts. But what they're doing with our federal tax dollars now is unacceptable, it's disgraceful, it's u disgraziata, it's a shanda. They position their members down at the border. As soon as Mo, Larry, and Curly come across the border, immediately it's Catholic Charities that meets them and greets them. Not Limigre, not Immigration and Naturalization Service, not ICE. And it's Catholic Charities that says to them, and remember, they haven't been vetted. They haven't been checked for vaccines. They haven't been checked for medical conditions. They're coming in the wrong way, not the right way. Catholic Charity says, hey, where would you like to go? They actually spin the wheel of fortune in terms of transportation and expectations. And they give them a Chinese menu. They say, would you like to go to Chicago? Of course not. Why the hell would they want to go to Chicago? They say, would you like to go to Philadelphia? Hell no. What about Body Bag City, Baltimore? No. Washington, D.C.? No. Okay, they scratch their bellies and they say, hmm, where else would you like to go? Of course, New York. Because all these illegal aliens, if you've noticed in a lot of the video footage and in the photographs, as they're coming across the Rio Grande or even coming across our border that separates us from Canada, Because the untold story is how many of them make their way to Mexico City. Like, for example, if they're from North Africa, if they're from Senegal, if they're from uh, Chad, if they're from the Sudan, Mauritania, Madagascar. I mean, places that most Americans couldn't find on a map. They come in, they got to pay $8,000 to fly in from North Africa into Mexico City. When they get to Mexico City... They take buses with coyotes who guide them to the border. It could be at the border crossing between El Paso and Juarez. It could be Eagle Pass in Texas. It could be Nuevo Laredo on the Mexican side leading into Laredo, which is the largest area of truck transportation across the Rio Grande into the United States. Or it could be in Nogales in Arizona, that entry port there, or what for years has been the point of entry. The separation between the Baja, Ensenada, TJ, Tijuana. Next stop, you're in the San Ysidro Canyons, and you can see the lights twinkling up north in San Diego. And from there, it's on to Los Angeles, which is an illegal alien city. Any of you who have been to Los Angeles know exactly that, that the mass majority of people, mostly Hispanic, living, residing in Los Angeles now, without a doubt, are illegals. And they've been welcomed there by Governor Gruesome Newsom, who thinks he's going to be a future president of the United States because he's right out of central casting. Before that, uh, Governor Moonbeam Brown, 
local municipalities that have declared themselves to be sanctuary cities in a sanctuary state. And they're overwhelmed in California. We're overwhelmed in New York. They're overwhelmed in Massachusetts. They're overwhelmed in Illinois. So you would think they would re-examine this uh, concept of sanctuary city, sanctuary state. And the first thing you have to realize is there is no law that has been passed that declares New York City or New York State or New Jersey, which is a sanctuary state, to officially be a sanctuary city or state. It was by proclamation. There's no law. And you say to yourself, well, if you call yourself a sanctuary city, you call yourself a sanctuary state, then you're going to have to accept the illegal aliens. So Governor Abbott has always been spot on and right. He said Texas, the border cities have been completely overwhelmed by the mass exodus of illegal aliens from Mexico across the Rio Grande, openly, boldly, boldly and brazenly, right in daylight, used to be at night under the cover of darkness. Now it's like 24-7-365. They come into Texas, many of them stay there. They overwhelm the local municipalities. And Catholic Charities immediately says, if you don't want to be a Tex-Mex or stay here from other countries, you got a great opportunity to go to New York. And the moment you arrive in the Port Authority, five buses a day, there is a receiving line from City Hall. I mean, these people, they don't know anybody here. But, oh, boy, City Hall treats them as if they were the doughboys coming back from the First World War as if they were our soldiers coming back from the Second World War. There's a receiving line. They get swag bags. All of a sudden, they're signed up for health care. They walk across the 42nd Street corridor, and they check into the Roosevelt Hotel. That is the migrant resource center in terms of where you'll eventually be outsourced. And a lot of people need to know that that Roosevelt Hotel that was months away from being demolished because it hadn't been used in three years. It had been shut down in the middle of uh, COVID, and it was destined to be uh, demolished. It was rescued by Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, who gave the crooked Pakistani government that owns it, believe it or not, the crooked Pakistani government, $275,000 for three years to use it as a migrant resource center and destroy that part of the Grand Central Terminal area. Destroy it. That's the only thing that's been demolished, our city of New York. So, ladies and gentlemen, we continue on. I'm going to give you the nitty-gritty details of what occurred in Staten Island last night. The whole world was watching. They were hoping for an eruption. They were hoping for more fighting and rumbling with Antifa and their ancillary groups. And all they got was peace and tranquility because in defense of Staten Island, I've written a full-page op-ed in the New York Post. Nobody else would do it outside of Staten Island. That's the untold story. Nobody else would do it. They were just too afraid. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC.
well, you missed your tea time, Andrew Giuliani. I was just repaying the favor. You made me do two hours of your show alone last night because you got arrested. And I figured, you know what, Curtis? You got my Italian up a little bit. I wanted to repay the favor to you. That's what it was. Well, I noticed you got your stogie in your hand, your cup of coffee like duffers who line up at the first tee before the break of dawn. And uh, this is not golf this morning. I might have shanked the uh, alarm clock this morning. I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> Throw a little shank in there. But thankfully, anyway, your, thankfully, your my... name, your father's name, who is uh, an iconic figure in Staten Island. I mean, you mentioned Rudy, and the place just gives you a standing ovation. It's the easiest speech in the world in Staten Island. All you got to do is mention Rudy's name like four, five, or six times, and you're guaranteed four, five, or six standing ovations. I we talked about this on the campaign show. Why on earth don't they rename the dump, the old dump that Rudy Giuliani closed after Rudy Giuliani? I feel like the Democratic politicians can get behind that because they're naming an old dump after Rudy Giuliani. That's and right. everybody on Staten Island would love it. You know, it's great. I mean, look, every single day when I come into the station, what do I have to pass to get on the four train? The David Dinkins Municipal Building. Can you believe the second worst mayor, only behind Bill de Blasio in the history of our city, has a building next to, so, next to City Hall named after him. You're right. But actually in Brooklyn, the dump that I grew up next to on the Bell Parkway, uh, the Spring Creek dump, they called it, where many a member of organized crime uh, is buried. All you got to do is ask the Gemini Lounge Boys, the guys I grew up with, uh, Joey Test and Anthony Santa. Where did you bury them in the Fresh Kills dump? But that's been closed, obviously covered over, still methane gas bubbles up from uh, underground. And it's been named after the former congresswoman who ran for president one time in the Democratic primary, Shirley Chisholm. Right. And rightfully so. She was an iconic figure in Brooklyn. So... The person that closed the Fresh Kills dump in Staten Island, which was the largest open-air dump in the world, yep. people on the New Jersey side claimed it was Staten Island swamp gas that they were smelling all the time. The odor was, at times, would just twirl your hairs in your schnoz. You could literally see it from space. Yes. You could see it from space. That and the Great Wall of China. Exactly. See it from space. So correct. So your dad, along with Guy Molinari, who had left Congress and become borough president in Staten Island, closed it. Nobody thought it would ever be closed. They closed it. It's finally become a park, a state park. And you're right. It should be named after your dad. Nice little statue there. The pigeons could come on his shoulder, <laughs> could do what they got to do, and people could realize, hey, this place would still be open, would still be a plague on Staten Island and Jersey, North Jersey. But they were able to uh, bulldoze over uh, fresh kills and then allow uh, people taking the Staten Island fair free passage back and forth. So, yeah, your dad's name. Whenever I'm in Staten Island and I give a speech, I got to mention you that four, five, six <laughs> times. It's, it's a guarantee. <laughs> Easy that, applause. That I get a lines. standing ovation. <laughs> well, he never forgot that there would never have been a Mayor Rudy Giuliani without Staten Island. Staten Island coming out 
so strong in 1993. Curtis, I know it well. You know it well because you were on the campaign trail with him in 89 when he closely lost to Dinkins. You were on the campaign trail in 93 when he came back and was able to win. And, and that's obviously the start of New York's uh, turnaround, the renaissance, allowing the police to do their job, getting it done. It was amazing. I was talking about this the other day. It's tough to believe that we're just 10 years years removed from New York being the safest large city in the country, if you think about it. At the end of Bloomberg, whatever we think about Bloomberg, and obviously politically we went our separate ways and all that, we were arguing about the size of soda and cigars, which means we figured out the murders and rapes. Wouldn't it be nice if we were arguing about the size of sodas right now these days? Wouldn't that be nice? I would love to be arguing about whether or not I could have a 64-ounce soda or not. Let's have that public policy debate, please. Please, let's have that public That's right. He was uh, trying to be our mommy, uh, uh, Bloomberg. (laughs) He was. Boy, did he get the shock of his life. He extended term limits. He basically bribed his way into another four years. Had always had his eyes on the presidency through one of his deputy mayors who never did his job here, was always on the road trying to see if Bloomberg could become president of the United States. And then when Bloomberg thought he could buy every man, woman, and child in the United States and buy the presidency, he got up on that stage. And, oh, man, Pocahontas just eviscerated him. In three minutes, his campaign ended. In three minutes. And, Curtis, actually, it's really indicative of what we saw last week. He was so unprepared for that debate. You had to be ready. You had to know, basically, that that question was going to come. Just like Vivek and that debate last week had to know that the Israel question had to come. I was shocked that the other seven candidates did not bring it up in the first seven minutes of that debate. And it looked to me like he was the most prepared. Now, whether or not that means anything in the presidential race moving forward, I don't know. I think well, Trump was the big winner. I'm telling we're you, leaving Staten Island, literally. On this Last day. night I was on Hannity describing uh, my 80th arrest yes. at Gracie Mansion. Uh, that resulted in a rumble, as everybody knows. And that candidate, what's his name again? Swami? Uh, I can't even pronounce it. Vivek Ramaswamy. Oh, man. It sounds like a guru. Like you're going yeah, to an Yeah, you don't ashram. like Vivek? Uh, Sid doesn't like Vivek at all? I kind of yeah. like Vivek. Right, I'm not right, going right. to The like name. Him. But then again, I'll never forget the call I got. A Democrat was at the National Convention in Boston that nominated John Kerry to run against uh, Bush 43. Mm-hmm. And the person said to me, the future president of the United States is going to be Barack Obama. I said, who the hell is Barack Obama? I said, there was just no way with a name like Barack Obama, the people in the United States would elect him president. The person said to me, oh, the speech, he brought down the house. Like Mario Cuomo mm-hmm. had years before at the Moscone Center when they had nominated Mondale and Geraldine Ferrara, who then lost to uh, Bush 41 and his running mate, Remember, what was that? Potato. How do you spell potato? <laughs> Dan, Dan, Dan Quayle. Dan Quayle. All right. But the point was, is that the person said, no, I know the name will frighten a lot of people. And a lot of people will just be turned off. He happens to be an African-American candidate. I said, wow, that's, that's going to be a long shot. He said, no chance. Look who went on to become president of the United States, Barack Obama. But what's how do you pronounce that name again? Ramaswamy. Vivek Ramaswamy. So last night on Hannity, before I came on to give an update on my 80th arrest, he was on and Sean was grilling him about Israel. Right. 
uh, about 9-11, about some of the other mm-hmm. um, sort of third rail issues. And this guy learned to do the pivot and shift. Yeah. He said, no, I'm the biggest supporter of Israel. I'm like, what are you well, talking about? Well, to me, that was the shock of shocks that, uh, you know, Nikki Haley ended up pushing on on Israel and did a good job with him. And then it goes over to DeSantis after he asked the question. DeSantis changes the subject. Every single one of those seven candidates, they should have actually asked him about that. DeSantis DeSantis had a lot on his mind. He knew he was going to have to go to Jacksonville, where you had that white supremacist who killed uh, three African-Americans. He knew he would be booed there. That happened. And he knew he'd have another hurricane, which could either make him or break him. So people looking at him now saying, well, we're going to look at DeSantis. How does he handle this hurricane like the last one? The last one, he did a very good job. How is he going to handle this? Now, imagine if things don't go well, that's it. That's the end of his But that presence. wasn't during the debate. He, that stuff no, wasn't on his No, he was thinking about it. You know, he was well, thinking about it. Well, then if he can't multitask, then he can't be president. <laughs> come on. You, come on. you got to be able to multitask. Now, weren't you... Weren't you leading the DeSantis charge yes, over here for yes, the first time? Uh, yeah, you I still, still are. Am. I like DeSantis. How's it going? Well, look, my opinion, I think, is a reflection of most of America in poll after poll has said we want new candidates regardless. Out with the old and with the new. Right. They're not happy with Trump. They're not happy with Biden. Okay. It seems both parties are hell-bent on having 2020 all over again, like the... Thriller in Manila, you know, round two, <laughs> Ali and Joe Frazier. It seems like it's moving in that direction. But I think the mass majority of Americans would much rather have different candidates uh, on both sides and let them do battle and let everything that's happened in the past end. Because I know, and you know Donald Trump better than most, if he gets elected, if he gets through the primary process and all the Michigan, all these crazy court cases, you know, first day in, he gets sworn in office. <laughs> he assembles his supporters uh, who are key in getting him elected, Roger Stone and us. And like Michael Corleone in The Godfather, he says, today we settle all scores. Well, don't you think that when looking at what this Biden administration has done, when you think maybe what Merrick Garland may have done, don't you think legitimate investigations deserve to be oh, run into these absolutely. people? So that's I think that's what Trump is basically promising, and that's... I think we deserve the one thing about DeSantis that I see, and I think DeSantis has done a spectacular job in Florida. And I've said this time and time again on Sit and Friends. I've said it on the Andrew Giuliani show every Sunday at two o'clock. I think the biggest problem, and I said this before he announces a candidate, is that he is not good at the popularity contest that is a presidential campaign. Something, Curtis. That you're very good at. You have a great charisma, right? You understand how to get a crowd going. You understand a political speech versus a summation. It's something that a 1989 well, Rudy Giuliani yes. did not understand. Yeah, that's true. Boy, Got it better in 93. I, I had to say to your father, hey, Rudy, this is not a pro- professorial lecture to a class. When they ask you a question, don't give a 20-minute answer. Right. Truncate it. Uh, Rudy, your father had to learn the hard way, and yet even though... I got to tell you, that first campaign sucked mm-hmm. in 1988. He only lost by three points, two points. Yeah. But, boy, in the interim, he hit the books. He started studying. He was in preparation for a full four years. And even with all that, with a high crime rate, 2,000 dead people a year, unsolved shootings, if it hadn't been for the turnout in Staten Island for secession, mm-hmm. 
Rudy Giuliani, believe it or not, your dad would have lost to yeah. David Dinkins. It's it's amazing to see what it takes for a Republican to go out and win this city. Now, Curtis, after the show the other night, you and I talked for a couple of minutes before you went on with Dominic Carter, and I told you that I think you have an incredible issue here that's a wedge issue that I think many Democrats are looking at. And I've obviously been teasing, and so many of you, you've been teasing in so many ways, but whether or not there's going to be a Curtis Lewa 2.0 mayoral run. Let me tell you something. Yes. First off, yes. Go do me a favor. Justin, uh, wrong way, Lou Rafino. every time he uses a golf euphemism, would you uh, sort of blank him out? Wedge! I hate golf. <laughs> it's a sandwich. It was a sandwich I, I was talking about. I Wait. hate golf with a passion. <laughs> I, 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 oh. <laughs> Wait, you had to mention that. Anyway. Yes. When we come back, though, we got to get back to Staten Island in the, in the focus of all America, expecting that there would have been a second day of rumbles as the Staten Island residents are in a round-the-clock vigil outside of St. John Villa Academy which is now home to some of the migrants. And, oh, boy, you got to check out my editorial today in the New York Post in defense of Staten Island. And believe it or not, some people we know who are not in Staten Island were asked to write an editorial for the people of Staten Island. Did they shank it? They didn't do it. Shank it. It's going to be all morning now. It's going to be all morning now for you, Sliwa. Yeah, you only get one mulligan. That's it. (laughs) Right here on your place to be, it's Curtis Sliwa and Andrew Giuliani substituting for the styling and profiling Sid Rosenberg, who's doing another cameo movie appearance. Please, I hope it leads to the Walk of Fame in Hollywood. And then I'll take over the morning show. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers in Detroit. The Yankees took care of the Tigers by a score of 4-1 to in the first of four last night after a pretty non-eventful first six innings of this one. With the Yankees up just a tally, Aaron Judge and Clipper Torres decided it was time to pull away a bit with back-to-back jacks in the seventh. And that wasn't it for good news on the night either, as Luis Severino pitched shutout ball on the hill for the Yanks for the second straight start, showing signs that he is returning to form tonight. The Mommers will try and knock the Tigers off again in Game 2, set for a 6.40 p.m. first pitch. Michael King is tabbed for the start against Detroit's Tariq Skubal out in Queens. The Mets ended up on the other end of the spectrum, falling 4-3 to in their series opener against the Texas Rangers. New York essentially had this one in the bag, up one with two outs in the ninth before Texas's Nathaniel Lowe played a heartbreaker with a ninth inning two-run single to put the Rangers ahead for good. Brandon Nimmo and DJ Stewart home runs accounted for the three New York runs. 
They'll see if they can bounce back in Game 2 with Texas set for a 7-10 p.m. first pitch tonight. Jose Quintana will take the hill against Texas's Andrew Heaney. And staying in Queens, tennis's U.S. Open continues today after round one of the men's tournament opened up yesterday. Sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers. And I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Light the fire. You place the flowers in the vase that you bought today. God, I hate this song. I hate you, Lou Rafino. This is like Samanex music. Uh, everybody's going to go back to sleep. Uh, turn the alarm clock off. Oh, God. Oh. You're going to write an op-ed in the post about it? Yeah, but wait a second. It's Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. With Young or without Young Lou? With or without... Did they exile him into Canada and not permit him to cross the border at that time? I think it's with. <laughs> it is one of my favorite groups, so I'll have to take that back. Andrew Giuliani in with yours truly, Curtis Lee, with the rest of the way to 10 o'clock. Sid Rosenberg, right now he's primping in front of a camera, take after take after take. He's back on the Hollywood QT He's a big movie star now. Is this his fourth film credit? Is that right? Between uh, film and TV? Are we up to four? I know it's not as many as arrests you, as you've had, but, I he's, know, but he's starting to catch up. I got to tell you, this guy is like a helium balloon. Uh, his ego is so huge now, you would need a crane to get him in and out of the studio. He's getting calls from all the big machas in the film industry. If it's anything related to a mob movie... He's getting a call now. I want to know when he gets his own trailer on set. That's what I want to know. I'm sure he thinks he deserves his own now, trailer at this point. But th- when is he going to get his own trailer on set? It's Garan- coming soon. Garan- it's coming soon. You, you know, uh, some three-eyed cousin fornicator from a trailer park will probably loan it to uh, Sid, <laughs> put his name on it. As long as there's a Sid picture there, he'll be happy. But <laughs> I will tell you this. When the former gubernatorial candidate in Arizona... Lake came here to do a sit-down with Sid. She didn't know who Sid was or what he looked at. She was honest. She was originally from Iowa and then moved to Arizona. She says right in front of me, to Sid, her husband is there, you look like a hit man. <laughs> you look like a real hit man. I got to tell you, Sid was like, felt like a million bucks <laughs> because he plays that in Gravesend. <laughs> you know, they had a scene there where he's the hitman guy. And I meant, he, I mean, he said, look, Lake thinks that I'm a hitman. She never saw me before. She doesn't know me. And I'm telling you, he's been uh, auditioning for hitman parts uh, ever since. The chest started pointing straight to the sky. There was just proud. He just went right up right there. You're right. I mean, look, that's that's why he keeps on getting the parts over here. He looks just like it. He's in great shape. He keeps on Working out, and uh, you know, look, it's uh, we have a uh, Hollywood star on our hands here, for better or worse, I, at WABC, and we have to deal with it. I, uh, had to, I had to do a little damage control for Sid though yesterday, 
you know, he went off on one of his rants about uh, the rumble outside of Gracie Mansion, right. and then uh, not so much that as it was the uh, round-the-clock vigil that is still taking place by the Staten Island residents who do not want those migrants in the empty St. John's Villa Academy because uh, there are three schools, active schools, right in proximity. You can walk across the street. There's Catholic Girls High School, Catholic Elementary School, and there's a school for handicapped children. Yeah. All within a stone's throw. Mm-hmm. No sensitivity or empathy from City Hall whatsoever. And back in June 14th, if you get a chance, pull it up, Staten Island Advance. They swore, everyone swore out there that Curtis Lee was a degenerate liar, that he was making things up. I had announced on this very show, Sid has been so kind to give me a forum for breaking news. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm able to get rats at City Hall to reveal to me information about where the migrant centers are going to go. But I don't just announce it. My wife then, uh, Nancy, is an e-attorney. She does a deep dive. So she does research. She verifies everything. You know, check, check, check like a NASA before launch. (laughs) And I announced to everyone, I said, you know, I know this is going to cause grief in Staten Island, especially Grasmere, that whole section. But the city plans on putting 300 migrants in the closed St. John's Villa Academy. Mm -hmm. Naturally, obviously, everyone in Staten Island listens to WABC, especially Sid in the morning, and it caused a lot of ramifications because people were calling their local officials, they were calling City Hall, and then the calls came here and went upstairs, fire Curtis Sliwa, suspend him, (laughs) make him retract that. He's lying. Our fellow Republicans will remain nameless. Right. Uh, said he's making it up, he's lying. Naturally, the elected Democrats figured, wow, they're attacking a, a fellow Republican, mm-hmm. the mayoral candidate the last time around. They jumped on board. And City Hall did something they normally never do. Because, you know, their knee-jerk response to every inquiry is everything's on the table. Yeah. Everything is on the table. And to be honest, that's a pretty honest answer because everything is on the table. They've checked out 3,000 locations uh, potentially to house migrants. But they went out of their way to specifically say, we believe that everything is on the table, but we can tell you declaratively mm-hmm. there will never be one migrant in St. John's Villa Academy, and Curtis is lying. So now you have everyone calling me a liar. Right. I'm getting heat because people are saying, why did you make that up? Why did you lie? Why would City Hall be in agreement with the Republican leaders and the Democratic leaders from Staten Island. And I said, look, I hope I am wrong. Where were the Republican leaders on this, though? Where were they? Calling they, me a liar. Exactly. But but why on earth is this something that you do not push back for? Is there a deal made, we think? I mean, uh, this is obviously something that you're going to put. You think about, of all places, where you'd put migrants. Worst, why would, why, spot, why would you put them around an all-girls school, right? I have a young daughter. I can't imagine having... You know, young 20-something-year-old people coming from across the border here. They're just coming to the U.S. of America. And you and you highlighted it great in the first segment in terms of where they're actually coming in from, as a matter of fact. So New York is, is shock in terms of culture to them. It's a completely different culture there, along with a handicapped school right there. Why on earth would you do that? Well, I'm not going to say there was any backroom deals. I think what's happened is you mentioned Curtis Lewa, and I'm a lightning rod for everyone. So right. they don't like the messenger, but they don't listen to the message. Yeah. So 
Don't, never mind it. I happen to be the messenger. I happen to have rats at City Hall who feed me information. City Hall's going crazy. They're trying to find the rats. That's okay. But if I give you information, call me up and say, could you share it? Which I will. And then they could verify it. Now, Sid has said 95% of the time I'm right. John Katzman-Matidis, our owner and operator, has said Curtis is mostly right mm-hmm. rather than wrong. So, you know, if I were a handicapper in football betting or in horse racing, you'd be lining up to get my suggestions. But they really savaged me. Hey, I didn't take it personally. Last Wednesday when they had the first rally, 4,000 people showed up. Mostly Democrats, because there are a lot of Democrats who live in that area. Right. And then there was, so going through the timeline and all this, and I'm looking through this and from what you've said, as well as in your op-ed in the in the post. After that rally, there was a temporary injunction placed, right? That's right. By that Staten was last Friday. Uh, Vito Fisella and the lawyers. See, Staten Island does this very well. They know you can't just have a protest. you got to follow it up with a legal plan of action. Yes. And they're always so good. As you know, uh, when Eric Adams signed the legislation from city council to allow green card holders and people with work visas to vote, it was Staten Island, Vito Fisella, Congressman uh, Malia Katakis, and Joe Borelli, yeah. who went into court and got a stay on that. Still in the court yeah. system. Completely against the New York Constitution. You can look up Article 2, Section 1 of the New York Constitution. It's New York State citizens that have the right that, to vote. But Staten Island always moves quick. They move quick on the uh, temporary injunction. But the Adams administration went to an appeals court on Friday. So from the thrill of victory of holding off the migrants to imagine for those residents the agony of defeat, seeing the buses return because they had taken the illegals out in the morning, only to see them return at night, the rage was absolutely at a boiling point. And when we come back, Andrew Giuliani with yours truly, Curtis Lee, was set to take you the rest of the way for Sid Rosenberg, who's styling and profiling and doing another movie today. He'll be back tomorrow. I got to tell you what resulted from all of that, the incredible amount of blowback and the fact that people outside of Staten Island were not coming to Staten Island's defense. Republicans... Democrats, independents, they were hoping that there would be a riot so they could distance themselves from the Staten Island Patriots. And that did not happen last night, nor will it happen, I can assure you. Yours truly, Curtis Lee, with signing that with the blood from my veins and arteries. an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you, but don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 
This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. What you say? Be just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Boy. Boy. During the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. <laughs> Played Malcolm X. You played Malcolm X? Did you realize that wrong way, Lou Rufino? But it's appropriate. Great song. That is definitely Sid Rosenberg. Cult of personality. I think um, we can make that statement about your golf partner, former President Donald Trump, cult of personality. Oh, what are you, a, uh, you know, wilting violet over here? Is that what they call it, wilting violet? Did I get that right? I feel like I got that wrong. Well, no, no, you're right. I, I have a cult of personality. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, if you're quiet, if you're a little wallflower, if you don't make noise, you don't grease the wheel. You don't get hurt. And get anything done. Now, sometimes you're bombastic, you make a lot of noise, and there's no plan, there's no action. But imagine if you're Eric Adams this morning and Governor Hochul, and you wake up to know that the partners you thought you had, you were so protective of Joe Biden, you wouldn't even mention his name and name and shame him. You'd say the federal government over and over, that his hitman, it's like a, a hitman, Mayorkas, held a press conference yesterday. This is the head of Homeland Security that's been knocking holes through the fence that Trump had built. Actually taking um, the, um, uh, actually acetylene torches and making holes through the fence so more illegal aliens could pour through. Held a press conference and said, we sent a federal research team and there are 12 areas that New York State and New York City have fallen down on in terms of dealing with this migrant issue. <laughs> It's amazing. The chutzpah. Now, That's remember, amazing. the last time they went to Washington, D.C., they had a meeting. Mayorkas gave them bupkis, mm -hmm. gave them ugats, not a dime, not a nickel, not a penny. Schumer was there, wouldn't give them any money. Hakeem Jeffries was there, wouldn't give them any money. The only thing they were promised was an aid from Mayorkas to smooth over the communication. Yeah. They still don't have that. Yeah. And he just pimp-slapped them around. Now... If they don't all of a sudden turbocharge and go in full verbal mode attack against Biden now and Mayorkas, then they deserve everything that happens to them. Unfortunately, it's going to end up as blowback to us. But they got to be standing there this morning and saying, we have refused to attack Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. We've been good soldiers we're overwhelmed. We're saying no mas, no mas. We're drowning. They won't even send. They won't even throw us a life preserver. Yeah. And they're actually criticizing us for the way we've handled the migrant situation. Twelve different levels. Mm -hmm. So now you have Eric Adams arguing with Hochul, Hochul arguing with Eric Adams. Sort of reminds me of the days before nine eleven. Your father uh, and George Pataki going at it, or even as we saw Andrew Cuomo with. Uh, 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 comrade Bill de Blasio, 
But now they're in full war motif. In a crisis, though. This is that yeah. all that stuff was over little political things. Exactly. This is a real crisis in yeah. Curtis. You know the saying, the buck stops here? Well, this is the buck stops with you. It stops with you. It stops with you. Fingers are pointing everywhere. And the fact that the Secretary of Homeland Security would come in and blame New York for this problem. And Curtis, now, look, I think Adams certainly deserves his share of blame. He was the one who last summer was campaigning for president by being down at the Port Authority, welcoming those migrants, calling Governor Greg Abbott a racist. He deserves a lot of blame for this for this problem. But there's nobody who deserves more blame than Joe Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas. And for Mayorkas to come in and point to New York and say, you guys are the crux of the problem over here, it's kind of amazing. So now you're absolutely right. Are Eric Adams and Kathy Hochul finally going to get the courage up to blame where the blame actually needs to go and actually kind of say, hey, look, we have political leverage here, Curtis, because they do have political leverage. Remember, Joe Biden is the next is the next one up. He has a campaign coming up in 15 months. There will be Election Day if he can make it to that finish line. And Eric Adams doesn't have one for two and a half years. Kathy Hochul for three and a half years. They need to use their collective political leverage now to try to get something done for New York. It's too late. It's, uh, Andrew, it's too late. Uh, it's uh, just so overwhelming. And then, on top of that, uh, Biden and Mayorkas rub fresh salt in New York's migrant crisis. You would think normally there would be blowback. Right. That's why I wrote that op-ed piece. You can read it in uh, today's New York Post. New York locals feeling betrayed by politicians over the migrant Mm -hmm. crisis. Because they've all, they've all been slow. They've all sort of hesitated. They've they've all looked at it from a political point of view, not a people's point of view. And they don't know what to do now with all these rallies popping up. Mm -hmm. They're frightened because it's people power. Uh, When I host rallies... I don't allow any politicians to talk. Whether you're running for office or you're in elected office, you don't get to talk. Because generally, they are rally killers. They get up on a stage. It's obviously, it's self-gratification. You know, they patronize the crowd. And now the crowds boo. Even the Democrats that uh, both I and Sid were invited to speak to Mm -hmm. last Thursday at the uh, parking lot at Toys R Us on Flatbush Avenue about them wanting to put 7,500 single-able-bodied young men with nothing to do and nowhere to go on Floyd Bennett Field, illegal aliens. That was moderate Democrats yeah. holding that rally. They were booing their own elected officials. And uh, they were asking the elected officials, why are you booing us? What do we do? And they kept yelling, it's what you it's haven't, haven't done. done. Yeah, get the job Where's, done. They keep saying, this, this, what's the plan? Uh, What's the plan? And most politicians, blah, 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 blah. So last night, to his credit, I have to give credit where credit is due, Borough President Vito Fisella has had plans. He's got his law team. They're going in, all kinds of legal procedures to tie up the city and the state in knots and the federal government. But Mayorkas said, we got 12 locations in New York State, federal land. You can use it. He didn't make mention of it. Yep. Be listening later on in the rip and read, 12 to 1. I'll try to have verification of them, but I know it's going to break a lot of people's hearts because now that they're going to give complete entree to use federal lands in New York State and New York City, boy, that's going to add even more fuel to the fire. So you said Fasella has a plan in Staten Island. 
Uh, is there another appeal coming at this point? I know they just lost the appeal. Uh, so you now have these migrants that can legally be there. Is yeah, there another appeal coming? They're, what they're, is the plan? they're not coming back to St. John's Villa Academy. They see the outraged people in 24-hour vigil. Now imagine if you and I were like Jose and Pedro, you know, from Venezuela, right? And we know that some of our friends are staying at the Milford Plaza in mm-hmm. Times Square, down the block to Paramount, the Watson Hotel, all these hotels that even tourists have to wait sometimes months to come to. <laughs> That's true. And now you put me in the middle of Staten Island, surrounded by this angry crowd with no what, nothing to do, nowhere to go. We don't even know how to get around Staten Island. You know what they're doing. They're getting back on the bus saying, take me back to the Milford Plaza. Take me back to the Great White Way Broadway. (laughs) Get me the hell out of here. (laughs) So basically, you're telling me, because I know you said this the other day, um, even though they were planning on, the city was planning on housing about 300 migrants at St. Johnsville. Am I, am I right about that number? Yeah. About 300? They never they, reached There are a couple that. dozen now at no, this point, No, there were 180 right? at its apex. But but now there's about, how, how many would you say? I would say anywhere from uh, 24 to 8. Okay, so depending yeah, on who you at a dozen, to. let's say, or two dozen, depending on it's there. Okay, so it really has legitimately oh, gone down from its apex tell you, of 180. i got to tell you the other thing, the untold story. Yes. So you got all these grandmas outside, because it's really the women that have hit the barricades, grandmothers. And inside, there's guys in white shirts giving them the finger. The initial assumption was that it was the illegal aliens. No, it wasn't. They're not crazy. You know, they know that that crowd is upset. It was the security officers that had been hired by DocGo, this this company that got a 400 and $32 million no-bid contract. Never did this work before. <laughs> By their friend, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, who went to their national convention in New York, the shareholders' convention, and said, we're partners for life. I trust Stocko. And they're up in the windows giving the old ladies the finger. The old ladies, naturally, Staten Island side. Yeah. They ain't taking it. <laughs> so I said that. to the cops, are you going to go up there and stop them? You, you, you know you're going to start a riot. Right. Not my job, not my job. Everybody, not my job. You know, typical of the bureaucracy of the city, not my job. I said, would you get up there and tell them to get away from the windows? And they kept giving the finger to these old women. Okay, I got another question. How on earth, in a city like New York, does a $432 million no-bid contract get given out by the mayor of the city? Because he gives it out to his friends. Eric Adams' friends, supporters of Eric Adams. Now, worse yet. That Roosevelt Hotel that was empty ever since uh, March of 2020 mm-hmm. uh, when we had the lockdown and the pandemic, owned by the, one of the most corrupt governments in the world. A government-owned uh, hotel, a 1,000 rooms, the Pakistani government yeah. that was planning on taking a demolition ball to it and accepting the law, saying, that's it, maybe we can sell the property. Well, all of a sudden, who comes along? City Hall, Eric Adams. Probably Frank Caron, who has been acting like an agent for him, even though he's no longer chief of staff. He's the number one lobbyist in the city. So if you want to do business with Eric Adams, you go to his lobbying firm. $275 million we gave to the Pakistani government, corrupt as the day is long, to utilize a 1,000 rooms for three years as a migrant center. That's where they bring the migrants 
they sort of have him bed down for a day or two and then figure where they're going to outsource him to, whether it's anywhere in the five boroughs. And now they're outsourcing him throughout the state of New York. Why would you give the Pakistani government $275 million? So my wife went to work on it. Right. Your father went to work on it with my mm-hmm. wife, Nancy. T- together, everything is redacted because they've created this new, um, this new uh, template. Right. It's an emergency migrant resource center mm-hmm. as, as created in an executive emergency order by the mayor. Right. So everything is redacted, all the costs. Who are the lobbyists getting money? Who are the realty agents? Who are the lawyers who got pieced off? And so now Nancy is trying to use TNT blasting caps to sort of break away at this concrete encased contract mm-hmm. that the mayor's sitting on. We saw that during COVID nineteen, yeah. when the governors uh, had these executive powers, spent money, gave it to their friends. The mayor. Which did think like of the this. irony of this, by the way, right? This is an emergency that was created in New York, at least. Yep. By Eric Adams' invitation, yes. right? Yes. By him calling Abbott, uh, basically a racist on this and saying, okay, you know what? You start dealing with this. And now it appears to me, it appears to me, look, I don't have any direct proof at all of this, but certainly Adams' former chief of staff is profiting off of an emergency that was created by the mayor himself in this city. And you Think know, about the irony. You know who joined his lobbying firm? The former congressman representing Staten Island, Max Rose, <laughs> who lost to Nicole Maliotakis on one issue. He stood with Black Black Lives Matter and Antifa outside of the precinct. I think it was 122nd Precinct and Highland Boulevard. He supported them, not the cops. From that day forward, he crashed and burned. Nicole Maliotakis, great candidate, great, great congresswoman. But let's face it, on that day when he chose to stand, not with the cops, and that's where Blue Lives Matter was created, Staten Island. Six feet in the grave. Black Lives Matter and Antifa... It was over. So now every politician has a rebirth. And now he's whining, dining, and pocket lining everybody in the city on behalf of Frank Caron. When we come back, though, so much more to talk about, including the U.S. Open, not golf, the other sport that I hate, tennis. We're hitting all the country club sports today, huh? We're really going to hit all the country club sports. The players huh? are complaining that when they're in center court or in the side courts, the smell of marijuana is so thick they can't play. They're asking for food deliveries on the court. They're hungry, huh? Is that the deal? Quiche at $38 a slice. <laughs> That's another reason that I hate tennis. I hate golf. But they're haters of the legalized marijuana that is being smoked by the elite in blunts, in fatties, in pipes, water pipes, and vapes. Right here on your place to be, Sid Rosenberg, away today styling and profiling, doing another cameo appearance in a movie. So it's Andrew Giuliani, yours truly, Curtis Lee, on WABC. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends.
God, I wish this were Disco Friday. I really do. Sorry, I got to talk over your musical selections. Wrong way, Lou Rafino, but... Oh, God. This is painful for me. Painful, Andrew Giuliani. I, I got to back Rafino over here. I think he does a good job on the on, on the music selection. I got to tell you, I always look forward to it. Some Cur- Curtis Curtis stole this song from me. Yeah. If we want to be honest, he stole it from me. That is yeah, true. He doesn't really? want to admit it. Huh? That's fine. I'll play his little game. It's all fun. I stole your intellectual. He comes in and he writes them down. What was that? And he takes it. Exactly. It's all fun. Then I play it all weekend long. Lou doesn't listen on the weekend, so he has no idea I purloined his choices. And I give him no credit whatsoever. I said, remember this blast from a past? He'd go, ooh, wow, you're so hip, you're so happening, you're so cogent when it comes to music and so eclectic. Thank you, uh, Wrong Way Lou Rafino. But let's talk about another sport that I loathe, I hate, I despise. First it was golf, and then tennis. Yes. And all the trendoids, freakazoids, and jet setters are coming in now for the United States Open. It is a big cash cow. It uh, generates a lot of revenue for the city, more than any other event. You know, I was not allowed to go to a U.S. Open for the first 20-something years of my life. My father would not take me, would not let me go because of the flight patterns getting changed by the one and only no, David Dinkins. that wasn't it. Okay, why it, wasn't it? It was Tell because me. David Dinkins, the only time he would ever go to Queens, he would be dressed in tennis whites <laughs> with a tennis racket. <laughs> he true. invited, at the time, my partner, let me see, which wife was it? Oh, okay, yeah, it was Lisa. Uh, Angels in the morning. He invited the both of us out to the U.S. Open. Right. Now, I hate tennis. Yes. But the mayor wants you to sit with him. He isn't there, you know, just with a, a casual attire, although very trendy, because he was a fashionista, just like Eric Adams, you know, not quite $5,000 customized suits. He was dressed all in his tennis whites. He had his racket. Martina, where's Martina Navatarola? <laughs> and I'm like, get me the hell out of here. <laughs> and he's like totally into it. Like he's ready to jump down on center court, whether it's Louis Armstrong Stadium or Arthur Ashe Stadium. And by the way, they commissioned a piece on Arthur Ashe, one of the greatest tennis players of all time. So they have the unveiling of a statue outside. The guy has no clothes on. No, really? Yeah, there's a the racket. But his schlong was bigger than the racket. My God. People were saying, oh, my God. That's, that's, that's now at Flushing Meadow? There's a there's a statue of Arthur Ashe naked with just a there was. tennis racket? There, there was. was. I missed this completely. Maybe it's still there. It might still be there. But let me just say, I avoid going there. You know, I walk into Flushing Meadow Park. You walk into Flushing Meadow Park now, you pass the statue of LL Cool J's holding the big boom box. Yeah. You know, Queens, he's not from Queens, he's from Long Island, but what the hell? <laughs> you walk, you can't go five feet without there being a purple haze. You need a hazmat suit. I mean, the stench of weed is everywhere. Yeah. So what are the complaints of the U.S. Open? Not about the $38 you got to pay for a microscopic slice of quiche and all the other ancillary things you have to pay for. Because let's face it, the U.S. Open is really become the playground for the rich and the wealthy and the well-to-do. But the players are saying when we're out there, whether on side court or center court, yeah. 
We're just constantly smelling marijuana in the air. Yeah, just yesterday, the number eight seed in the women's draw, a Greek named Rebecca Mazarova, complained, saying it was weed, the smell, oh my gosh, I think it's from the park. And last year, Nick Caragos, who I think was the runner-up at Wimbledon last year, so a very good tennis player, a guy who almost won Wimbledon, complained about the smell of weed. He said sometimes it smells like cigarettes, but a lot of times it smells like weed. So this is a recurring problem now, two years in a row at Flushing Meadows. Now, this is the ironic thing with this. They have Parks Department police. Mm-hmm. You know, they write you tickets all the time for the, the most ridiculous of things because they have a quota over their head. Like every other agency, they build a billion dollars worth of ticket writing into a budget in advance. One year, you got to write a billion dollars worth of tickets, whether it's the cops, yep. the meter maids, sanitation cops, EPA cops, parks cops, the whole nine yards. Parks cops will go around Flushing Meadow Park. If you're smoking a cigarette, they'll write you up. Yeah. If you're smoking a cigar, they'll write you up. You're smoking a pipe, a normal pipe. Very few people do that with tobacco. They'll write you up. But if you're smoking a blunt, <laughs> they give you another one. With marijuana. <laughs> They leave you alone. If you're smoking a fatty, a joint, a spliff, they leave you alone. And you say, wait a second. How could you write somebody up for smoking a cigarette or a cigar, a cigarette, a tipperillo, and not when they're smoking marijuana openly? Just the last few months, I've been starting to smell it in Battery Park City, where I live. And a lot of times when I'm out there, I'm with my little daughter, Grace, who's 21 months old today. I think about that. And when you think about all the kids that are out there, they should have the opportunity to play in a zone where they don't, they're not getting that purple. Well, speaking they're of smelling kids, that. It's uh, terrible. Noam Layden, who I really despise, I loathe, I hate, the news director, came up with a really great story. This, Long Island legislator yeah. is saying that when a kid is caught with reefer, because you got to be 21, like with beer or almost with everything in your life to be able to do things legally. Yes, there is legal marijuana. You have to buy it from a state-licensed store, of which there are so few. So let's just say you're a kid, you get caught with marijuana, and a cop actually writes you up. They want you to have to go to counseling sessions. They call it cannabis counseling sessions with your parents. All right. I don't think they, they are so lacking knowledge. Yeah. Like half the country now is smoking reefer. Yeah. A lot of them adults. You can imagine the parents are called in to sit in counseling lessons to try to get their kid off a smoking pot. And it turns out when the kid is asked, where, where did you pick up this habit? When did you first start to smoke marijuana? Well, my dad did puff, puff, pass yeah. with me. We have an atrium in the house. We grow it. It's homegrown right in the basement. Yeah. This is proposed in the state Senate, so there's no way in the world this is going to pass. We've got a state Senate right now that is looking at passing emancipating your child if your child wants to go and get a sex change operation and not telling the parents, basically. So there's no chance it's going to pass. But the point that he's making, I think, is a good point. I remember going through these numbers a few years back when I was in the White House. If you smoke weed regularly and you're under the age of 16 years old, you're three times more likely than the average American to become a hard drug user later in your life. If you smoke weed under the age of 18, 
you're two times more likely to become a hard drug user. So what he's talking about with younger kids and younger Americans, it is very important, I think, for them to realize the ramifications. Will this pass the state assembly, state senate? Absolutely not. No way in a state like New York where you have literally bail laws where you could just get out easily is this going to end up coming and through. And what a disaster. When Andrew, unfortunately, why don't you change your first name? When Andrew evilized <laughs> Cuomo, then Governor Cuomo, signed the legislation in New York State to legalize the recreational use of marijuana, and this would lead to uh, weed shops licensed by the state. A complete disaster. Now it's tied up in court because veterans say, we should have been first in the queue. We should have had the opportunity to have a licensed weed Mm -hmm. store. The state wants equity, so if you've been busted before for selling marijuana, you're first in the queue. These men and women, they have no business yeah. sense, no skills. So in the city of New York, we've got nine legal pot weed shops. Right. You know how many illegal weed shops? 2,000. 2,000. I was going to say hundreds. as we speak. Yeah. 2,000. Well, it was political pandering them by Andrew Evil Eyes Cuomo's. And by the way... I'm trying to make the Andrew name great again. I'm magaing in my own way. Please. So that's why I'm Change trying to bring it name. back. I mean, we've had a tough run between Prince Andrew and Andrew Evil exactly. Eyes Cuomo. Exactly. I've, I've got, no, i got to bring it back. I can't give up on but, it. Just like you're not giving up on the city. I'm not giving up on the name Andrew. Per capita, per person, the majority of our listeners are in the state of New Jersey. Yeah. I've told hmm. our bosses that, our owners, look at the analytics. Ever since I broke into talk radio 35 years ago right. at WABC, when the king of talk radio, Bob Grant, uh, held down the afternoons, the we had a huge Jersey audience. It continues to stay with us. In Jersey, they do everything better. Yeah. No cash bail. They have no cash bail. But they let the judge make the final decision. Right. Why wouldn't we have just did what Jersey did? Mm-hmm. You would think carbon copy. It seems to be working in Jersey. Let's imitate Jersey. Uh, legal use of recreational marijuana. Jersey did it first. They've had some hiccups, some problems, but generally it's working out well. But New York, we're always pretentious. You know, we're the best, not like the rest. This state is a disaster in everything it does governmentally. I'm saying let's look across the Hudson. Believe it or not, smashed half in the bag. Governor Murphy does it better. Then Crime Wave, as you uh, deemed her to be, Crime Wave Kathy Hochul. Kathy Hochul. That's right. Bo Deedle coming up next. Curtis Lee and Bo Deedle, you guys are you guys are copacetic now, huh? You yeah, guys are beautiful. It's a love fest. I love it. I can't wait to see this love fest when we come back to Sit and Friends, the great Bo Deedle will dance. Is sit in friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. I don't know if he was in this movie or not, but he's been in so many movies. I would say he's still the number one movie star in the WABC family, even though Sid Rosenberg seems to be catching up at this point as he's now on another set because Sid seems to be just uh, 
now working his way toward the Oscars, as Curtis Lee was said. I think Curtis was trying to get a little more time in doing that. But the one and only one tough cop, Bo Deedle, joins us right now. Bo, how you doing today? Okay, Andrew, how you doing? Hey, Curtis. Hi, Curtis. That's I'm it going. Tell you something. Back in 1988, when my book first came out, One Tough Cop, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden there was this guy running, this Italian guy that locked up most of my <laughs> friends in organized crime, <laughs> from my friends from the Genovese family, the Lucchese, everybody. Pop took down everybody with the commission case. <laughs> and there was a lot of negative. I couldn't bring him up to Rayo's because he was afraid to spit in his food. That's I said, right. You know, it was only business. It was only business. And, uh, you know, when I took over the Carpenters Union uh, by the uh, International Brotherhood of Carpenters, yeah. and the Gambino guys were running it, Genovese guys, I started getting death threats to my house. <laughs> and I went and had a sit down. I said, listen to me, this is not a personal thing. This is just business. If I didn't do it, somebody would do it. But I endorsed your father in yeah. 1988. I'll remember distinctly when I stood up and I said, uh, Rudy, you got my endorsement for mayor. He made a good shot at it. But you, you were very, very right, Curtis. It's all about it's a shame now. Personality overtakes intelligence when you're a politician because we can see it happening every day. They're looking for an actor. They're looking for someone that plays well with people. But there's a lot of great politicians that are very smart but don't have, like you say, Curtis, the charisma. Yeah. And speaking of charisma, Curtis, guess what I read? You're Scumbag ex-partner, Kubi, this piece of garbage under my shoe. See what he does? It was doing right now. Remember that beautiful, beautiful girl, Karina Vetrano from Howard Beach, that, that hauntingly beautiful young girl who was attacked and beat up and raped, knocked the teeth out and all that. All of a sudden, he has now a new drive, Kubi. Kubi, you should find a job. Why don't you go to Cuba? Or better yet, why don't you go to China and take over one of those concentrated camps over there? Right now, he's defending this little punk. When this little punk, his DNA was found on Katrina's neck when he strangled her under her fingernails, when she was fighting this scumbag on her cell phone, he threw in the, all of a sudden he's going after the DNA lab out of Virginia because it, it defined the DNA as a, as, as a black male. That comes out in the DNA, what you are, and that's exactly what it is. This fool says now that this was a racist determination because it said it was a black man. What was it supposed to say? It was a female Chinese woman? A stupid curb, Kubi. Why don't you get your brain power? Now, there's one little thing that pops up. Kubi, the DNA that was used in this trial, you fool, was done by the New York City Medical Examiner's Office, okay? And it showed that this little punk, uh, his name was Lewis. He was the killer. I mean, does this guy have anything else to do, uh, Curtis? Maybe you should have him defend you when you get locked up on your on your demonstration. No, no, no. It has, now, now, Bo, I know Phil Vetrano, the father, who yeah. his life, his wife's life, uh, the sister's life, I've met them many times, yep. destroyed, shattered. Great people. Really great people. And I just... I just had to bring that up because the only the only coincidence is this fool used to be on the radio with you, and you want to know something? He should take a bath and he should cut his hair. That's it. Okay. <laughs> now let's, let's go. Let's go right. We talked. Remember, we talked the last couple of weeks what I've been saying. The new the city council progresses, and that's going to be one of my big points that I'm talking about taking the power away from the city council. But 
before we talk about that, we have to realize one thing. They've now passed the law. Remember, it used to be four-inch knife, uh, Curtis? You get caught with it. It was a crime. Now the progressive fools in the city council now determined that you can carry any knife you want on you, Jeez. and you're not going to be arrested. Now, all of a sudden, I just saw every day over the weekend – Three stand, two dead. It is now becoming a currency because you know what? You can't have the money to buy a gun. So guess what? A knife is so easy to conceal. Guess what? A knife is so cheap. And guess what? You're not going to get prosecuted. And this is the new terror that's hitting our city uh, along with – I just picked up the – I was just looking at the post today. Four dead on the Upper East Side yeah. in one household. Well, how do you think they were killed? Not by a – a gun, they were stabbed to death. Yeah. This is what we're dealing with, these knives. And instead of us enforcing more laws, and, and, and when people tell me, including my friend, and I'm still, I'm sorry to say, I, I hold my breath and I hope uh, uh, Mary, Mayor Eric Adams comes to the reality of what's going on. This is not perception. Crime is prevalent. Crime is all there. That's why 53% of the people say they're moving out of New York City as fast as they can and out of New York State. This will be the downfall. Now, and now Bo, Bo, yeah. remember, when we were kids, and you all yeah. were in Ridgewood and I was in Canarsie. Ozone Park. Ozone Park, excuse me. Uh, what they did was you buy a knife and whoever was sort of your peer, older than the rest, would say, put four fingers on it. Because if it goes yep. past four fingers, the cops are going to clip you. They're going to give you a JD card, juvenile delinquent card, and they might even throw you in Spotford up in the Bronx. Oh, yeah, so you, you had to get a, a, a nail file instead or something much smaller. But you're right. Now you can walk around with a Rambo knife between your teeth and nothing yep. happens. You know, and I, I tell you, you know, Andrew, I've been really very, very involved because I did find a way. And the only way that this can happen is if Mayor Eric Adams comes on board. You know, I've been talking right. about the Save, Save New York City Char Charter Change Coalition. A lot of people don't know. There is something that New Yorkers can do. We can actually put it on the 2024 ballot. Why it's good on the 2024 ballot? Because it's a presidential election year. Right. And we could put this on the ballot to take away the power for the budgeting from this New York City Council. I am bringing this group together. I've talked to REIT, head REIT guys. Because look, at some of these REITs were $140 as chair. Now they're down to 18. They're losing tens yeah. of billions of dollars. All our services are going down. The taxes are, our services are going to be extinguished unless we jump on, on top of this. And the one guy that doesn't get it, because he doesn't realize he's being focused as a one-term mayor. Yeah. Maybe he has another idea to make a lot of money or whatever he's doing right now. But the progressives, including Louder, including that Miley Wiley whiplash, that fool <laughs> woman there, they're looking to take him out. He's not progressive enough for the city council. The only way we can turn this city around is take the budgeting power away from this group of progressives. And what the mayor will have to do is bless this committee of people, get it on the ballot of 2024, where we can vote the power away from the city council. We did it once before with member Bloomberg when he wanted right. to run for the third term. This can be done. And I'm spearheading it. I'm meeting with all the billionaires of New York to save New York City. And this is the only way. Just imagine, Andrew, to take 
the power away from these progressive city councils. I spoke with the mayor, and the mayor said to me they can't count. They don't know anything about fiscal, uh, what we need with budgets and all that. That's why we can't fund the police. That's why we can't make these, these sanctuary cities stop in New York City, because the city council keeps blocking it. And then one, one of the big issues I got, obviously, because my son got ran over, and you will know somebody yeah. that will be hit by one of these legal bikes. Mm-hmm. We have something called the this group called the New York City EVSA. It's the Vehicle Safety Alliance. It's a group. And you know who's in back of it? His bill is in back of it. The great council member, Robert Holden from yep. Queens. It's a bill where we take these bikes, whether they be motor, battery, and all that, and we reclassify them as a uh, Class B moped, and they have to have license. The people driving have to have licensing. It has to have registration. I don't care if it's battery or gas power. We've got to jump. This is just what your father did, quality of life. Once the quality of life, Andrew, goes down with crime, with these bikes, with these smoke shops, what happens to this place? New York City is being disintegrated, and we have to save New York. And, and that's why I'm on top of this thing to save New York City. And, and the both, only way we can save it. Yes. It's, it's, right. You're absolutely right. Our quality of life is, is going downhill. I, I want to get back to what you're saying, though, in terms of taking some of the funding power away from New York. Cause yeah. I've heard you mention this the last couple time yeah. on Sit and Friends, and I think yeah. it's fascinating. So what's the process in getting it on the ballot? We need signatures, I assume, is basically going to be the start of that process. Is that right? Well, well, we're following up. I'm going to be reaching out to a very, very prominent New York family. Okay. I did reach out to a few of them. What happens is, to believe it or not, we have to put money together from all these REITs, all these people that want to save New York. Then we have to do a whole advertising campaign, right. radio, TV, and everything. Now, there is a way of saving and bringing New York back. And I, I will put Curtis and you on it because I know how you feel. And your father. I, I'll put us all on there. Right. And his, his little bull crap indictment, which is a friggin' disgrace, Amazing. my friend Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. I, I really feel so bad for your dad after Thank what you. he did. How these scumbags could do that to your father and to President Trump. But that's another issue. Yeah. But we get all these people together and we push the mayor we have to push the mayor otherwise if he doesn't come on board he can't put this committee together he must put this committee we got to put pressure on him to put this committee together and then once the committee's together we have to set up another group of people in policing because crime is the number one thing 90 percent of the people say crime is the number one issue well let's get a crime commission together put that together get a financial group together that knows about how to add things not like this scumbag progressive brad louder who spent over 30 billion dollars on greenie and he wants to green his head and all of a sudden his big <laughs> thing is and, and 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 eric i know you're listening you don't understand it's going to be an issue they're coming at you with this chance what is it what do they call that uh voting what do they call that what they uh percentages and all rank that. choice choice voting rank yeah, choice right. voting Right. You only won by about 6,000 votes, Eric. Yeah. They are gunning for you. They don't want you. You will be a one-term mayor unless you come on board. If you come on board and take the power, take the teeth out of these scumbag city council people who are voting down this city, all they want to see this city is be destroyed as they're doing right now. First off, you have a group put together, a committee that this mayor, we have to use this mayor. Now, if this mayor turns his back on me, you want to know something? Then you know what? That means he doesn't want a second 
term, that means he wants to see New York destroyed. Well, Bo, to your, not political. to yeah. your point right there, right? I think when he yeah. went down and, and going back now a year, when he went down to the Port Authority and called Greg Abbott racist and, and was the first person down there greeting those migrants, I told, and I've said this time and time again on the radio, I think that he was campaigning to be president at that time. Now I think he realizes, now I think he realizes you're right. I think he's under threat of being a one-term mayor. And I think he doesn't know what to do. He's trying to appeal to Republicans. He's also trying to make sure he appeals to them. And that's why one day he says one thing, the next day he says another thing. And he's kind of caught in between from an action standpoint. You know, Andrew, I go back with him. I raised the first 100,000 when he ran for state senator. Right. I've been a major supporter of I sit with him. I was with him two and a half weeks ago, and he brought up about his hands are tied with the city council. Well, I got the answer for you, Mr. Mayor. We take the power away, and you make you become the mayor, and you got to run it. But here's a little frightening thing. They're preparing already, because we're talking about $15 billion in three years with these uh, illegal aliens in New York City. And how come you got rooms with these little SROs that were getting $70 a night, now they're getting 400 from the city? Where is the checks and balance on all this money there's three hundred and fifty thousand dollars a week spent on food 50 percent of that is profit where is the where is the contract bidded contract not giveaway contract they're going to come after him these opponents and say what did you do with this money this won't be a knife in his heart well, that's one thing that you and Curtis can agree on right there, the Corone brothers, right? You guys are getting invited to their birthday parties, are you not? No, no, Bo, Bo ain't going. <laughs> Neither is Curtis. The one, the only, Bo Deedle taking us in to break starting the 8 o'clock hour here. Bo, thanks as always for bringing the energy. Send my love to you. Send my love to your father. I will, Bo. And I tell you what. On the other side of the break, I'll tell the little Rayo's story here that Bo is referencing because it is a great great story. Coming back. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. All right, now you're jamming. Wrong way, Lou Rufino. D-Train. Yes, D-Train. Andrew, this was the train that Sid Rosenberg went to uh, Midwood High School. Spent a lot of time in Cheapshead Bay. All over southern Brooklyn would take into the city. So this group named itself D-Train. And before you were birthed in the disco era, this was the jam that would be played. And we get everybody out on the dance floor, even the Garvones with two left feet. Yeah. Finally. Music that I can dance to right here. Sid Rosenberg away. Andrew Giuliani in until 10 with yours truly, Curtis Sliwa. And then you want to pay attention to the rip and read every Monday through Friday, 12 to 1, because I'm always breaking news, letting you know, unfortunately, where these migrant centers are coming to you. I think I got a few. Uh, I got to have Nancy, the attorney, my wife, double check, triple check, quadruple check. But I got a few in the hopper. 
a the few qu- in the hopper. The question I have for you is, what are you going to do for the Sid wrap-up today? Are you going to criticize yourself? Is that what you're going to do? Are you going to rip into yourself? How are you, you going to deal with that? No, I'm going to criticize you. Ah, well, I'm going to say, shock. every time I see Andrew Giuliani, as much as I've known you since I campaigned for your dad for mayor in 88, his failed attempt, and then thank God he saved the city in 92 as he barely beat David Dinkins, uh, when I see you now, I think of golf. Yes. Everything that I hate. A nice 300-yard drive down the middle. It's right? golf. That's what you think. Grace now, who's 21 months old, she does a golf swing. You say do a golf swing, and she'll go right to the oh, golf swing. God. So she's going to be, she's got it. She's got a better swing than her dad does. So I'm uh, I'm excited about that. Curtis, is Uncle Curtis going to take her out to the driving range and teach her a few things? No. Come on, I Uncle remember. I Come took, on. I took my two youngest sons, Carter and Hunter, to yeah. the driving range. And uh, they were doing fairly well. They, they didn't use a wood. You know, they used like an iron. They were hitting it if, like, maybe 90 yards, 100 yards. It was good. And then all of a sudden we heard a shout, screaming and yelling. <laughs> this was uh, Alley Pond Park right off Northern Boulevard. Yeah, it well, yep. Big driving range. A lot of Japanese. Yep. They, lived to, they, they live on the driving yep. range. This guy is screaming. This guy was a sickle fan, toady and lackey, part of the Irish mafia that ran the Queens County Democratic machine when Joe Crowley, crooked Joe Crowley, was in charge, the former congressman, who lost to AOC all-out crazy Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Socialists of America, because he didn't campaign, and he stayed in Virginia where he lived. And the guy almost drowned. I ran out there, I pulled him out of the marsh, and he basically said, Get the off of me. I don't want you ever touching me. (laughs) The guy was drunk, totally drunk. Apparently, he was walking from Little Neck Douglaston to his famous, his favorite gin mill on Bell Boulevard in Bayside, and he fell into the marshes, which are there. I should have left him there. I should have let him drown. You know, is there ever just a normal day with Curtis Lee? Is there ever just a relaxing, like, you know, we're going to just... Do our thing, go home, relax, have a beer kind of thing. There's never a normal day. No, Christ, I can't drink. In 69 have, years. Hey, no, look, I used to bang back to Jameson, but I can't drink now. I have uh, chronic Crohn's disease. If I even take a sip of wine, I'm on the floor. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, It's like a, a seething volcano ready to explode. Anybody who's had colitis, ileitis, chronic Crohn's disease. Right. As you know, I got shot up by the mob, the Gambinos and the Gottis on yep. June 19th and 92. Five hollow point bullets. Having survived colitis, ileitis, chronic Crohn's disease, eight-and-a-half-hour operation to repair it, I would rather be shot five times with hollow-point bullets. Oh, really? Oh, it's the worst. And people suffer out there silently. Suffer. 23 hours a day, you're up. You can't sleep. You you can't function. So people out there, if you have colitis, ileitis, chronic Crohn's disease, uh, you got it. You got it. You got to get it treated. The urologist, whomever it is, get it treated. They have medication for it now. But once it's repaired, you got to watch your diet. Yeah. You cannot go to Rayo's because of the sauce. <laughs> when I eat now, everything is plain. So I'll ask for a plate of spaghetti, and they'll say, "Well, what kind of sauce you want? Yeah. You want clam sauce? You want red? I can't have any sauce. Oh. You want any parmesan? Nothing." Plain. Plain spaghetti. Oh, All the man. things you were told that, is... that you shouldn't eat white bread, you know, everything white. You got to eat that. Yeah. Because if not, 
you're going to be on your back and you'll be in the hospital and probably going through another operation. Yeah, I'd rather get shot. Maybe somewhere in the leg, somewhere that's not going to cost my life than have to give up spaghetti. I will tell with, you with, this. You know, with red sauce. I, mean, I was uh, never welcomed at Rayo's years ago because well, I used to run the streets of East Harmon, uh, Harlem, Pleasant Avenue there, uh, Genovese country. Right. They didn't hate me like the Gambinos. In fact, Benny Eggs Mangano was like the number two guy to Vinny the chin gigante. Hey, come here, kid. Everyone, I'm still 69. They say, hey, kid, come here. Hey, you see? You see that guy over there? I said, yeah. See how he's got a cast on his arm? The guy tried to steal from a store. So what we do is we break his arm or we break his leg. He's got to wear a cast for three or four months. Everybody knows you don't do that. It's like the cat. Oh, yeah, you know what uh, Vinny tried to do? He tried to steal from the grocery store there, the candy store. And I thought about it, old school ways, very effective. At least they didn't kill the guy. He had to walk around with a cast, and everybody knew. You don't do that, or you're gonna be you're gonna be wearing a cast either on your leg yeah. or your arm. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Rayos, and I said teasing before the break here that I was going to tell the Rayos story in terms of why my father will not go with Bo Deedle, even though he's generously invited him multiple times to his table at Rayos. So my father used to go to Rayos in the seventies and the eighties. They actually used to have a tradition. He and a couple of his friends would go the day before Thanksgiving, and they'd enjoy a nice meal at Rayo's and have a good time. So my father becomes U.S. attorney. And for those that don't know, my grandfather, so my father's father, grew up in East Harlem there. So grew up right around the corner from Rayo's. So he's U.S. attorney. He's already started to make some arrests before the commission case, but the commission case is coming. And he looks out of the kitchen, and he looks like he recognizes somebody, right? And he sees this face kind of... Peeking behind the doors, looking at him. He's looking. I said, I recognize that guy. And the guy comes walking toward him, and he gets about 10 feet from him. He says, holy, you know what? I put that guy behind bars. So the guy comes up to him and says, Rudy, if you weren't Harold's son, I'd kick you out of here right now, but you could eat in my place anytime." And my father at the time said, you know what? I better not eat a Rados for a little <laughs> while here. And the, the sauce might not be quite, uh, you know, let's say clean. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I haven't been to I Only one time did I go to Rayo's okay. as a favor for a board member of the Guardian Angels. Right. Um, let's just say I had eyes on my back. <laughs> now, some of the guys, they're like out of central casting. Yeah. It's been a month of Sundays since they ever had uh, any kind of iron in their hands, a toolie in their hands. But they play the role. And other guys, you know, are legit. You know, you can see they're still active. They're still involved. But the mass majority of people, obviously, are just regular people who love the ambiance, the food, and most importantly, to be able to say, hey, I was in a mob joint in East Harlem, Rayo's. The number one restaurant in the world. I don't care what anybody else says, right? Rayo's is the draw. It's the number one restaurant in New York City. So I got to ask you your advice then to me. I've never been to Rayo's because of this, and I've been invited. Bo has been so kind to invite me, other people, and I really want to go. But I've always said, hey, you know what, because of this, I'm not going to go. Should I go? Should I put a Look, distraction on? Should I put a big old mask? What should I do? No, what do you think? No, it's it's time because it's time, right? your father's picture, mugshot, fingerprinted, 
busted on the RICO <laughs> so Conspiracy Act that. <laughs> that he put many of those guys I'll be away. welcome with open arms Oh, now. they'll say, hey, okay. you know, we've come full circle. Okay, Bo, I'll take you up on it. You your, let me your, know when your I'm dad, you up Your on dad it. got me on a RICO Conspiracy <laughs> Act. I see the government's trying to get your dad on a RICO Conspiracy <laughs> Act. Okay, all is forgiven, all is forgotten. <laughs> now, me, that's another circumstance. <laughs> that's whole, yeah. I don't want to... Let's say I don't want to stir the, the 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 red sauce, because if I say to them, I just once forget he played. That's that's like a slap. That in is the a face. big slap in the face. Yeah, you can't do that. No, no, no. Italian. Remember when I grew up, Andrew? A little different. You could tell the category of the Italian if they were from the north or the south. My family on my mother's side, Francesca, Fidel, and Nicoletta Bianchino were from Bari, a little town of Andrea. Mm-hmm. So on Sunday. My grandmother, as we were forced to go to church, uh, would stir the gravy right. and prepare the ranzoni, sonaboni, macaroni. The more elite Italians would say, no, we prepare the sauce with the pasta. <laughs> I said, the only pasta I ever had was pasta fazool. <laughs> a nice bowl of pasta fazool with a good slice of Italian bread. It sticked to your ribs. You didn't need anything yeah. else. But they would argue pasta, you know, with sauce. And that was northern Italian. Yes. Southern Italians, it was gravy yeah. and, of course, macaroni. Yeah. Uh, so with Rayos, eh, you know, that's one experience I probably will never have again. So I would like you to go there and tell me what it was like. I'll report back to you. And and I'm glad that I have gotten the Curtis Sliwa blessing to go there because – Deep down, I've really wanted to go. I've heard everybody have this fantastic time, an amazing story there looking at. And I just want you want to try the novelty. Right? All you got to do is say, guys, it's Rico time. I loved Rico Petroselli when he was a shortstop for the Red Sox. He went to Lafayette High School right across the street from the Marlboro Projects in Brooklyn where John Franco grew up. He was the son of a sanitation guy. Say, hey, it's all Rico time. It's real. When de Blasio would go to a Met game, he never went to a Yankee game. He was a Red Sox fan. But he openly was a Red Sox yes. fan. He wasn't like Bloomberg. You know, oh, I don't want to mention Red Sox. Or Bratton, who knew nothing about baseball. I was at a Yankee game with Bratton. He's sitting there. I'm figuring he's got to know something. got to know a little bit. He knew nothing about really? baseball. Absolutely nothing. That's a shock. The next time you see Bill Bratton ask you, hey, you like those Red Sox? <laughs> uh, you remember, when you grew up, Bill... Who are the great Red Sox? He does not Nothing. follow baseball. And he's not alone. All Obviously, right. a lot of people don't follow baseball. But in this particular situation, I mean, Bill de Blasio is there at Shea Stadium. He wears number six on his throwback Met jersey, and he tells everyone in honor of Rico Petroselli. <laughs> they say, well, you know, he's a Bo- he was a Boston Red Sox. He goes, I know, but I'm showing dual loyalty. In 1986, when the Mets played the Red Sox in the World Series and pulled out Game 6 yeah. and then won in Game 7, you know, Game 6 was Mookie Wilson. Yep. Uh, the ball went through Buckner, legs. who was a great ball player, yeah. great fielder. That was, like, yeah. unexpected. I was like Switzerland because I hated both teams equally. <laughs> you wanted them both to lose. Exactly. You I was like Switzerland. So he is at the game. With my middle son, Carter, his mother, the borough president at that time, Melinda Katz, who's now the uh, district attorney, and she sings the opening national anthem. She's a very good singer. Bill de Blasio was teaching him about baseball 
and he was telling me what Bill de Blasio taught him. The guy knows baseball. The guy knows a little baseball, huh? I, I don't give him credit for anything. Right. But based on what Carter told me, yeah. his conversation with de Blasio, simply about baseball, what? the guy is a cognoscente. Do you think the weed smoke that they smelled at Flushing Meadows was a result of Bill de Blasio <laughs> being in the park yesterday? Now, you're a perfect person to tell us the story. Yes. You lived in Gracie Mansion about eight years. Yes. You frolicked in the backyard, I remember. Every many, day. Many times. And frolicked is a perfect example. Imagine me frolicking through. Well, yes. I would be visiting your dad uh, at Gracie Mansion. We had a little conversation on the back porch. Yeah. And he'd say, do me a solid. These kids are running me ragged. <laughs> your sister, you, and the uh, golden retreat. Yes. Goalie. Play some wiffle ball with him. And I'd hit some sky shots, and you guys would go crashing into one another. But the golden retriever would always get the wiffle ball and bring it back and actually slobber all yes. over it, right? Yeah. He knew you were a cat person, and he wanted to make sure that and he you, got extra slobber you, for you. You could have played for like 12 hours straight. Yes. You had unbridled energy. You were bouncing off the walls. You were about. I said to Rudy, would you stop giving him candy bars? The kid is like bouncing off the walls. I'd burn 10,000 calories a day and eat 11,000 calories a day. But on that porch, Bill de Blasio and Charlene would smoke Maui Waui and Hindu Kush every night, puff, puff, ass. They built up a barrier on the fence that normally existed right. that would separate you from Carl Scherer's Park mm -hmm. simply because they didn't want people seeing that they were passing the peace pipe back and forth. Yeah. But they could smell it. Yeah. You could be on the other side of the fence, and and you would smell from the back porch Bill de Blasio and Charlene uh, McCrake blazing away every night. Yeah, and you got to remember, a lot of those police officers left their detail because they were worried that they were going to test positive for that. Remember, if, if somebody, if an officer ends up testing positive for marijuana, I don't know if this is true of the time, but I could t t now, but I could tell you of the time. They would lose their job and their pension. And well, the so way that's that, why the way that scary. Happens, if you're exposed to marijuana smoke, mm -hmm. it can get into the follicles yes. of your hair. Exactly. And the, you cops, the cops realize you could beat the urine test yeah. many different ways. You, 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 get, you get a certain uh, uh, elements that you take before the test, and it cleans your urine. So it's like you never smoked marijuana, you never did cocaine. So what they would do is take the hair follicle. Yeah. Because the hair follicle would retain the THC, and they would do a test and say, I'm sorry, we're going to have to wash you out of the department. Yeah. You would get fired. Yeah, fired and lose your pension, too, right? So, I mean, you, you could do 19 years. Your intel, you've got to the point where you're now guarding the mayor of New York City, so you're one of the top cops on the job. And all of a sudden, because you've been around it, you get that hair pulled. Bam, so, you're so done. The other the other afternoon on Sunday when I'm getting arrested with two 81-year-old codgers yeah. in an act of civil disobedience, what we did was we blocked the entrance to Gracie Mansion. Okay, on 88th and East End Avenue. Right, and the cops came up and said, Curtis, we're not going to arrest you. I said, why not? The mayor can't now come. We'll stay here until the mayor comes. He said, he never comes here. <laughs> You'll be waiting here for months. He, he almost never comes here. Because, remember, you had a press conference, and they said, Eric, you never go to Gracie Mansion. He said, it's haunted. haunted. <laughs> now, you would be a perfect witness. Yes. 
True or false? Is Gracie Mansion haunted? I never saw any ghosts at Gracie Mansion in my eight years. I never saw any ghosts. You may be haunting Gracie Mansion for Mayor Adams right now. So maybe it's the ghost of Curtis Sliwa in the future. Oh, I'm that coming is after him. That's what oh, it seems we're like. We're going for round two. There's no doubt. But in the backyard, yeah. your father, before him, Dinkins, Bloomberg, all the mayors, sometimes we'd have a cultural event. Honoring certain people. Yes. And if they thought it was inclement weather, they would put up a tent. Yeah, as a matter case. of fact, that tent would be up for about six or eight weeks. They'd keep it up there. And uh, when I was a little kid, I used to call it dome season because we'd always play games in the backyard. I'd have friends come over. And when the tent was up, we would play games underneath the tent. It was so like a dome. you're as familiar with that tent. Yes. How many illegal aliens could you house in there by putting cots, giving them space, and I, then maybe put porta sands mm-hmm. and portable showers, you know, in the back? I would think between the tent and also the massive ballroom that exists within Gracie Mansion, you're you're talking about five hundred. And I can tell you at least the kitchen, the kitchen can cook for twelve hundred people. So they have a kitchen, remember, with a full time staff, wow. people cooking, so they could cook for twelve hundred people for an event. So certainly five hundred people. Now remember, regularly. he offered. To house migrants, he said, I should lead as the general. The general. I'm leading from ahead. I'm leading from a front. And then he retreated the next day and said, they won't let me do it. They won't let you do it. You're the mayor. Could you imagine Rudy Giuliani ever getting up to a press conference as mayor and saying, they won't let me do it? Could you imagine in a million years him ever saying that? Never. In fact, if you suggested it to Rudy, he'd say, by the way, you're fired. Go get a job hanging wallpaper. <laughs> Best story related to me by Bill Bratton, who knows nothing about baseball. Uh, in the beginning, uh, 1993, mm-hmm. there was a shooting in a mosque uh, involving police. That was the first week or two of the administration. Right. Uh, Al Sharpton, Al Slim Shady Sharpton, wants to meet with Bill Bratton. Bill Bratton goes to your father, says, I'm going to meet with Sharpton. Try to keep this calm. Your father looks at Bill Bratton. He goes, you know something? If you meet with Al Slim Shady Sharpton, you can leave your badge and your gun right here. I'll have a new police commissioner by this afternoon. Yeah. Nobody's meeting with Sharpton. Yeah, he wasn't going to have the race baiter in chief basically dictate policy for the Giuliani administration. Sadly, we have political leadership from City Hall, from the White House right now, that allows politics to dictate their public policy instead of actually what's right for the citizens of this city end of the country from never being permitted to sit down with rudy giuliani or any of his aide-de-camps to being at the white house with joe biden yesterday there he was at the front of the table the scoundrel the twanarali guy the guy who called the lubavitch's diamond merchants the guy who up in harlem freddy's said white people are interlopers And he had an easy pass with uh, Barack Obama, shut out by Donald Trump. And now he sits at the right hand of Joe Biden. Al Slim Shady Sharpton. Right here, sitting friends. He's away doing a cameo movie appearance. So Andrew Giuliani and yours truly, Curtis Lewa, we take you the rest of the way. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC.
so good. I'm in the groove. I could be doing the hustle on the dance floor as we speak. Andrea, true connection. More, 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 more. You know, it's interesting. A lot of the old timers on Staten Island who've been attending the rallies to stop the migrant shelters from being shoved into Staten Island per capita, per person, and now carrying on so much. They want them at Fort Wadsworth. They want them at the State Armory, which is on Manor Street. They want them at that senior citizen long-term care center at Midland Beach, a flood zone, where they kicked out 200 senior citizens to make way for the illegal aliens. And obviously the flashpoint now, St. John's, uh, which is the former girls' uh, high school, used to house uh, 400 girls. Uh, and they are sitting there, as we speak, 24-hour vigil to make sure that no more illegal aliens are shoved in there. Uh, so far, they're down to about anywhere from 8 to 24 from what was supposed to be 300. The migrants don't want to go there anymore. They recognize and I want it. The citizens have decided to band together because they know that if you don't start protesting early and City Hall just shoves them in under the cover of darkness, no transparency, even the local officials are caught by surprise that there's no turning back. They're going to be there. And Staten Island leads in this and the others follow. And I have, uh, unfortunately, some breaking news. Breaking news. WABC. Now, a lot of people going to get mad at me, right? Tough snuggies. 95% of the time I've been right. They're now looking at Staten Island at Snug Harbor. Really? Which I know personally. It used to be the old home for merchant mariners. My dad used to take me there when I was a kid. I'll tell the story later on. And the outlets. They're looking at them. They they haven't uh, totally nailed it down, but we got to stop them before it reaches that point, and then it's a point of no return. They are really looking to make an example of Staten Island. Yeah. This is political. Remember, Staten Island, even though the majority of the registered voters are Democrat, about 215,000 uh, Democrats, 195,000 Republicans, they want to say, you voted for Trump in 2024, you voted for Sliwa in 2025 for May, you voted for Zeldin for governor in 2026. So guess what? This is political payback. But you pointed this out earlier in the show, and you've pointed this out time and time again, that this is actually the one area of Staten Island that, that's voted blue, right? If you look, Snug Harbor, where you talk about Midland Beach right there, those are the few pockets in Staten Island well, the North that actually Shore. are blue. Yeah, the, but the that's North on the Shore, North Shore right, right uh, there. They voted for uh, Adams. Right. Uh, I won the rest of the island. Yes. You won the island mm-hmm. in the primary, in the Republican primary. Your father used to kill it in Staten Island uh, in his election cycles. But they're mostly Democrats. They are what you call Giuliani, Reagan Democrats. Mm -hmm. In the election of 2000, Gore versus Bush 43, the cliffhanger, they voted for Al Gore. Many times they voted for Democrats. In fact, when you look at who's elected now, it's almost 50-50. The island has almost equal numbers of elected Republicans, slight advantage to the Republicans over Democrats. You know, because people immediately think, oh, they're all Republicans. No. Yeah. 
But it's the most balanced borough in terms of representation for both parties. You know, I wonder, because we're getting really close to Richmond County Ballpark over there and where the Ferry Hawks play, obviously owned by our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis. I wonder if at some point they're going to be asking to put these migrants in the stadium. I wonder if that conversation has or will happen between the mayor's well, office and the, John Katsimatidis. The mayor's office says everything is on the table. Mm-hmm. Everything is on the table. Right. Uh, I don't trust City Hall. I don't trust Governor Hochul. Certainly don't trust Washington. And today, the lead story is the infighting that's taking place now openly. It's open warfare. Mayorkas, head of the DEH, uh, excuse me, the Department of Homeland Security, has written a blistering letter to Hochul and Eric Adams saying, you're not doing your job. You're dropping the ball. They have surveyed uh, a 12, a total of 12 federal sites in the city that they say they are prepared to turn over to the state and city to house illegals. But at this point, they don't know if they can trust the city or the state because they say they've botched it up. Now, at this point, Adams and Hochul have refused to name and shame Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. If they don't respond today with a total barrage against uh, Joe Biden... Yeah then they have no balls. That's exactly right. And and think about this. You have the head of DHS, who should be the one who's on this problem. We know he's not. We know the reasons, and we know who's ultimately giving them the orders to stand down, and that's why the border is such a porous issue. But instead of actually saying, you know what, this is a problem. This is a problem that starts on the southern border. Here's the solution. What he's doing is he's looking at New York City and saying, no, no, no. This is your problem. You can house them. We're going to send more your way. That's the message that he's sending to New York City and Eric Adams and Kathy Hochul. So if Eric Adams and Kathy Hochul don't use their political, their collective political leverage now, then they are the worthless politicians that we thought they were. Well, remember, if you're the the team de Blasio, you figure in an election against Trump or any Republican, we win New York State. You yeah. know, it's in our back pocket. What what the hell do we care what they say? But here's what they have to do. They have to get the message out there collectively, Hochul and Adams, and make sure that enough people in Pennsylvania hear the message. Make sure enough people in Arizona hear the message. In Wisconsin, in Georgia, in Michigan, well, these swing states. There's one problem. That's the way you do it. The Biden administration knows that everybody hates New York. Mm. The heartland of America hate New York. Every other state, they hate New York and they hate California. But if Philadelphia and Pittsburgh start feeling like, hey, it's us next who's going to be getting this, I can tell you those collar counties around around Philadelphia, and then when you start going to Allegheny County, they're going to start going more red if they feel like migrants are going to be coming there. Well, Governor Abbott has done an excellent job in targeting states that will openly sanctuary states, sanctuary cities, we're proud about it, although it's not in the law. Mm-hmm. It's a proclamation. Right. It could be rescinded today. Yep. There is no law about sanctuary state, sanctuary city. But Massachusetts has said no mas, no mas. New York has said no mas, no mas. Illinois and California. They're not touching the rest of the states. Yeah. See, so although the floodgates are opening even more for illegal aliens, they're not shipping them to those other states. Now, eventually, there'll be the fallout because people will say, I'm not staying in Chicago. Are you crazy? Black people hate us here. Black people have organized in neighborhoods like Englewood, where I spent a lot of time organizing the Guardian Angels, mm-hmm. not far from where Barack Obama was the community organizer. It's an all-black neighborhood. 
it's traditional in South Side of Chicago where my dad grew up, Chester. And they have collectively come together and said no to the migrants, no to migrant shelters. They are destroying our quality of life. And you scratch your head and say, your quality of life in Chicago sucks. Yeah. How much worse can it get? And they tell me by phone, Curtis, it is absolutely unbelievable. The migrants get everything, and we get ugats. Yeah. We get bumpkins. Well, Curtis, think about, too, how can the Biden administration send federal money, more federal money, up to New York when you're talking about less than 2% of the migrants that have crossed the border have come to New York City, right? 100,000 out of almost 6 million. What about those border towns? What about the state of Texas? What about other cities in Texas that have really taken the brunt of this? You have to, you would have to give the overwhelming majority of federal dollars there because you're going to get lawsuits if you end up setting a certain amount of money up to New York. And so that's why there's such a big problem here yeah, that's see, not going to stop until and, you actually secure the border. And that's Jewel, simple. I'm the only one who has called out Cardinal Dolan Catholic Charity. You are. They're in partnership with the Joe Biden administration. They get millions of federal dollars. It's a racket. Mm-hmm. I would charge them with RICO conspiracy. Oh, damn right. They are taking federal tax dollars and they are bringing illegal aliens up here, Catholic charities. The plan is because the Catholic Church is depleted of parishioners coming to church on mm-hmm. Sunday. You go to an English-speaking mass, you can roll a Brunswick bowling ball through the aisles. It has been sad to see how how uh, attendance on Sundays, it does it's it's down significantly. Well, I tell you why. I mean, uh, forget about the the fact that they're bringing in uh, all these illegal aliens cuz they want to fill up the pews. The Spanish-speaking masses are packed in yeah, they are. because these folks, third-world folks, many of them uneducated, they really believe in their priests and their nuns and their bishops. And we we have a church that is like the house of pedophilia. Churches are declaring, uh, archdioceses are declaring bankruptcy because they've had so many perv priests that they've covered up for years. That's why Catholics are staying away from the church. They don't attend like they used to. The one place they do, though, is Staten Island. Mm-hmm. That's why when we gathered last Wednesday... When John Tobacco and Scott Lebedo put out the call for everyone to come out because the city had just dropped the hammer and said St. John Vila will now house 300 uh, illegal aliens. 4,000 people showed up. And on WINS, Cardinal Dolan condemned anybody that was demonstrating against the illegal alien invasion. Condemned them in the worst way. And when it was my turn to speak on the microphone, I did not mince words. Mm-hmm. And the crowd in the most Catholic of uh, boroughs agreed. They booed the Cardinal. The Cardinal would show up today, he'd get booed. Yeah. And rightfully so. Yeah. They've closed Catholic schools, closed more Catholic schools in Staten Island per capita than anywhere else in the Archdiocese. The Catholics have remained loyal. And now they see that all the money is being given to illegal aliens and not being given to keep these desperately needed Catholic schools open in the parishes? Well, Curtis, a word in defense of Catholicism for somebody who is practicing, who goes every Sunday, who is who understands the importance of faith for my daughter and her life. Look, one of the worst things the Catholic Church could have done is what they did over the last 30, 40 years, where they were hiding, like you said, these perv priests that were practicing pedophilia. They should have gone after them just the way that you should go after whatever small percentage of dirty police officers they're out there. You go after them hard because you realize that the 99% of clean cops, those are the ones that are representing us. 
But it is so important, at least for me as a father, to make sure that my daughter understands that faith is such an important part of life. Right. Faith in God. It's having faith in your fellow man, having faith in your city. And that's where I think the importance of all this is. We've we've allowed the media to really talk about Catholicism as they are an overwhelming majority of perv priests. It's a uh, small minority. It's disgusting. They deserve to have the full extent of the law and deserve to go straight to hell. There's no doubt about it. But it's not the overwhelming majority. Now, your your wife is from Lithuania. That's correct. Yep. And the other religion they, I believe, are the Lutherans. The Lutherans in Lithuania. Yes, it's mostly Catholic, but yes, they do have some Lutherans. Uh, Martin Luther, uh, went to the Roman Catholic Marcus and stapled the, the indulgences on the door and said, you can't buy your way into heaven. And that began the Reformation, <laughs> right? Problem was, Martin Luther turned out to be a virulent anti-Semite, uh, in, 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 but he took on the Catholic Church, and rightfully so. So, I want you to think, mm-hmm. if it doesn't get any better, having your daughter convert to the Lutheran faith. <laughs> I, we're happy in the Catholic Church right well, now. Well, Episcopalian, which is Catholic light. Yes. At least they let their priests get married. <laughs> That's well, the other thing. You don't let your priests get married? Well, I don't want her to be a nun. I'm not telling that I want her to Wait be a, a nun over she here. came to you and said, I want to go to the convent. Yeah. You would advise her against that. I, I I would I want to be a grandfather one day, Curtis. You know, your I want to be father, a grandfather. W- your father, <laughs> along with his friend Peter Powers, who went to Lachlan High School in Bedstuy Do or Die, were being recruited for the priesthood. They were on their way, one foot into the seminary, and all of a sudden they said, eh, "Let's do a pivot and shift. Let's do a uh, pirouette." Well, thankfully they saw a skirt and they realized that you know what, maybe the uh, maybe this is not for me. And thank goodness for my sake because. There would be no Andrew Giuliani here today if they uh, if they didn't. By the uh, by the way, you got to check today's New York Times. Another guy who went to a different high school, Cathedral, whose name was Eric Ulrich, my enemy since 2019. <laughs> when I warned everybody that he's an affiliate of the Banano crime family in Howard Beach because he owes six hundred thousand dollars on a vig. He's a degenerate gambler. Full feature as to why he's going to jail with a bunch of other cronies, uh, friends of Joanne Ariola and the embedded uh, Republican Party that read it extensively. You'll see what I've been talking about in 2019. And believe it or not, even this guy, Eric Ulrich, is a degenerate. Don't talk to him out there. He's wired up like a Christmas tree. He's a confidential informant. Has he Sid was, finally distanced himself from Eric no, Ulrich? No, no. They're, they're, okay, okay. He was going to be a priest, too. He went to cathedral. Not Sid Rosenberg. No, Eric, Eric Ulrich. Ulrich. <laughs> Eric Ulrich, you can't get American priests anymore. I go to a church occasionally. There's some guy from Nigeria or Colombia or Poland. They couldn't find that parish without a GPS. <laughs> and then, and hopefully you're never in this situation like I've been, you go for marriage counseling. You got a priest who can't even speak English. And I say, no disrespect, Father. What the hell do you know about marriage, right? You've never been married. How the hell are you going to counsel me? And there was this one time, was a Polish priest. He was saying, but you're Shliva, Shliva Polish. And you know nothing about marriage, so I got up and marched out. How ridiculous. But anyway, how ridiculous that your friend, fellow golfer, Donald Trump could pen himself in for a 67 in a tournament. Well, 
I've defended the Catholic Church. I'll have to defend Donald Trump when we get back. Oh, you're going to have to do that because I say impossible. Right here, as we substitute for Sid Rosenberg styling and profiling, do another movie uh, cameo appearance today. He'll be back tomorrow as we take you to the 10 o'clock hour. Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Curtis Lee was out in the hall planning where his next rally is going to be to protest these migrant shelters. He's talking to our knockout newsman, Noah Layden, over here. Where is the next protest going to be? Tell our WABC listeners in case they want to join you and maybe join you for your 81st arrest. It might be out in West Hampton, believe it or in not. In West Hampton. Get out of here. When? Eric Adams was being wine-dined and pocket-lined yes. in the Hamptons all weekend long. Hosted by that Steve Hosa, that's Fachi Mascaramucci. <laughs> Makes my skin crawl. Guy, I, I grew up with guys like Scaramucci. They used to be in basements uh, hustling penny stocks, yeah. you know, working the phones, you know, doing a pump and dump. But anyway, so he was guiding them around. They were collecting the loot because Eric Adams is frightened uh, that he may be a one-term mayor now. He's running scared. But not running scared is a guy you play with golf all the time. doesn't matter how many times you indict him, you insult him, you call him Drek, yeah. which is the worst imaginable, imaginable thing you could have underneath your shoes. He takes the licking and comes back ticking, and he always seems to play golf with you either before an indictment yes. or right after an indictment. Yeah, we seem to have a uh, – I don't know what that is. Again, I obviously don't have the bail money to get him out of there, but I have this feeling like he thinks somehow – you know what? It started right when he had his first indictment, and we both played – a great round of golf, and he played one of his best. He actually shot 69 at the time. So that's why I can believe this, that this number that a lot of people, yourself no, including no, no, the internet, no. doesn't me, believe. So me, I think that's why this. he thinks he's going to play a great round of golf let before me he goes. Uh, yes, go ahead. He is hosting a fundraiser for your dad's legal defense fund Thursday yes, night. That's, that's Thursday, a great Thursday, September 7th, so right. in two I'm weeks. Sorry. Yeah. That's a great thing. Yes. 
But the other day, he filled in his card. Yes. Finished the 18 hole. The senior club championship. Said he shot at 67, and he he declared himself to win it. Yeah. I immediately thought back to the days of Kim Jong mentally ill, <laughs> dictator in uh, North Korea. Uh, it is written that all the people repeat the mantra that he played golf only one time, nine holes, and had seven holes in one, <laughs> in nine holes of golf. Now, I'm not saying it's quite like that. Okay. It's, it sounds like you're making an analogy, though, too. But I find it kind of unbelievable. Right. Was he hitting off the female tee? Curtis, just because you're not good at golf doesn't mean that, you know, one of your on-again, off-again friend nemesis, oh. Donald Trump, if he goes out there and shoots 67, you don't have to be jealous of the fact that he has mastered a game that you cannot even figure out how to get off the first tee box. Well, when they were talking about possibly seizing uh, the golf course that is branded by Trump right in Throgsnack. Yes. Right underneath the Throgsnack Bridge. Yes. Trump Ferry Point. And I was, I was out there for election night results uh, in the primaries right. for the city council. I walked some of the course. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous. Beautiful. You know, the USGA, the United States Golf Association, was considering it for a United States Open at that golf course before he ran for president, and that all went down the down the tube. So I went into the clubhouse because we were in the, the side room where they have parties and gatherings and stuff. But the clubhouse is for the, the duffers, the golfers. And whose picture do I see up there? I'm assuming it was going to be Sid Rosenberg all over wherever I go now. It's Sid Rosenberg. It's you. You're like the club champion. Yes. Well, he was on the campaign trail, and he said, you know, it wouldn't be good. It wouldn't look good if I go and win the first club championship, but I wanted Giuliani to go win it. So go out there and play. And I played very well the first couple of club championships and was able to get my name on the board there at Trump Ferry Point, which will be up there for all time. Or until they take the club well, away with them, which may a, be very soon. It's city-owned property. They lease it to the Trump Corporation. Yes. De Blasio tried to break the lease, and the judge said you can't. Mm-hmm. They haven't done anything yeah. to give you a reason to break the lease. They've enhanced the property. They really have. Yes. It's a gorgeous golf course. Uh, and he wasn't able to do it. Adams pretty much left that alone. Yes. Yeah, he, he would have knocked himself out. But it was bandied about that they might, under an executive emergency order, seize the property back, Mm -hmm. requisition it, and house migrants on it, Mm -hmm. illegal aliens, which now everything is on the table, as we've seen. So they chose not to do that. I don't know why, because you know damn well the socialists, led by AOC, all our crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Socialists of America, that's her district. That's in her district. So... I, I asked Nancy to do a deep dive. She can't find out why that was um, that was uh, denied. Mm-hmm. So that is not on the radar screen. Well, you know what? What's interesting, which might actually come into this, is there's been a discussion recently of actually utilizing some of that property, not only the golf course, but to the side of it right there for one of the casino sites in New York City. That is true. And so that may have something to do with it. As you know, there's a whole lot of money at stake for that, and I don't know if they're going to want to put a 1,000 migrants in there with a place where the city can make a whole lot of money. Is another Trump Taj Mahal that used to exist on the Atlantic City boardwalk? I I don't think it would be named Trump considering the current administration. I think this would be something the city would take. And to show you how things come full circle. Yes. 
Back then, when Trump was the casino uh, king, I think he had three mm-hmm. on uh, the boardwalk. That's eventually, right. Trump all the Plaza, court. Trump Taj Mahal, and I forget the third Trump. Right. And yes. all the rappers wanted to do their videos with Donald at the Taj Mahal. Trump won an NAACP award, remember? An NAACP award. Trump won. And he was running with Don King and Al Slim Shady Sharpton. They were the three amigos. They were inseparable. Now Al Slim Shady Sharpton is one of his worst critics. He's always on the guy's jockstrap, always complaining about him. But my experience with golf with your father, yes, I had brought back the old Rudy Giuliani playing stickball in his campaign against David Dinkins. Herman Badillo, good stickball player. Your father, good stickball player. I was the commissioner of stickball of the city of New York, Morris Park. We played some of our games packed. People would come. And your dad was pretty good. Badillo was pretty good. Obviously, that was my best game. But then all of a sudden, somebody put a little bird, some birdie in his ear, and he became a golf nut. (laughs) I mean, anything and everything involving golf. So he was in Richmond County Country Club. He was at a mutual event before that. He said, Curtis, why don't you come play golf with us? Now, I hate golf. But Rudy, he never asked me to do anything. He did so much for the Guardian Angels. I go out. I have no patience for golf. But I can hit the ball a long way, except on the wrong fairway. Yeah, you're left and right a little bit. Wrong way, fairway, right. You ask your dad about that. Every time we tee off, I'd either be to the far, far left or the far, far right in somebody else's line so they couldn't shoot their shot to a, a another green. And I'm there whacking, and I'm, I got my wedge, and I and I throw my bag around, and I took my shirt off, and I'm. And Rudy goes, "Hey, this is a country club, you know. They got rules and regulations. You're making me look bad here." <laughs> and he was like in his glory. Well, you know, at the time he was 55 years old, and I think he realized, you know, I can only play stickball for so much longer. These knees are going to give out. Well, I need a game that I can go and play. Was, and Curtis, by yeah. the way. I think you may have an ulterior motive bringing all this up. I have been told by higher-ups here that Andrew Giuliani cannot talk about golf. I think you might want to get me canned like so many of your other partners. Is that your ulterior motive here? No, do you no. want me out the door at WABC, Sliwa? I think it. you do. The only person that we know of that plays golf regularly with former President Donald Trump is you. You can give us the inside skinny. <laughs> but I will give you the inside skinny. Yes. I hope this is not true. That they're going to take Snug Harbor, which uh, is a gorgeous, magnificent cultural site now. Yeah. But they have the buildings that used to house the merchant seamen. That was their retirement home until they moved the operation in North Carolina. So when I was younger, my my mother knew that my dad was coming in ship to shore radio. And we could see the ship in the uh, Straits of the Verrazano. And sometimes it was delayed by the fog. So... We'd be in our 54 Ford uh, wood-paneled, uh, white-wall-tired uh, station wagon, Ford station wagon. Uh, my older sister, Alita, my younger sister, Maria, myself. And we would go out. There was no bridge at the time, no Verrazano Bridge. We would ride on the ferry. That was great. You could bring your ferry on uh, the car underneath. Uh, after 9-11, they discontinued that because, obviously, you could have a, a car laden with bombs and blow up the whole ferry. And we would go out to Staten Island. Sometimes my dad was delayed in going through the Arthur Kill, the Kill Van Coe, and going to the tank farms. He was on the Gulf Deer at that time, an oil tanker. And my mom would say, okay, we got a few hours. Let's go to the Staten Island Zoo. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
The only freaking thing they had at the Staten Island Zoo then were horseshoe crabs. <laughs> There's only so many horseshoe crabs you can pet. But once uh, we picked him up to bring him back to Canarsie, because he'd have like a day or two before they'd ship out, we would stop at Snug Harbor. Right. He'd introduce me to his old pals, the seamen who had retired. They all had, they had these long rows of, of seats with plug-in for the radio. Mm-hmm. Because they out at sea, they would listen to the BBC. They yeah. were radio junkies. Right. They would plug in the radios, and they'd be listening to WMCA at that time, which was the number one talk uh, radio station with Bob Grant, who then eventually came to WABC when they flipped the script from Top 40 Stacks of Wax, Cousin Brucey, to All Talk. And they knew all about talk radio. And my dad is talking with them. And then it was time to go to Canarsie, and my mother would warn them. You give me a hard time in the two or three days that you're here, and I'm going to make sure that you get housed with your friends, the seamen, there at Snug Harbor. Is that where your passion for radio exists? Is that where it started? Was that the genesis of it, your time with seamen? No. My dad would listen at home to radio because uh, ship-to-shore radio out at sea and the BBC that occasionally he could get. I cultivated my interest in listening. But I will tell you this. If they're targeting Snug Harbor, let me warn you at City Hall, they're monitoring me now. They have a desk. Yeah. On behalf of my father, Chester, and all the merchant seamen who so honorably served, especially in World War II, per capita, per person, they lost the most personnel. I will block Snug Harbor. I will get an army of people to get around. You will not put one migrant in Snug Harbor. That okay. is a cultural center now, but it continues to honor the merchant mariners who were so important to our war efforts and so important to transporting cargo and oil yeah. from all different parts of the world. I'm telling you now, City Hall, you target Snug Harbor, we're at war. That's breaking news, by the way, here. Curtis Slewa right. broke right not here sure, on air, WABC. Right. But not sure. I'm hearing it. Okay. Nancy is doing the deep dive. She's the attorney. She's peeling the layers. I should have word of it. By the Rip and Read at 12? Rip and Read at 12. But I'm telling you, City Hall, over my dead body, keep your stinking hands off of Snug Harbor. No migrants in Snug Harbor. No migrants in tents. No migrants in shelters. No migrants in hotels any longer. Send them back to Washington. Let that Papa Chulo, who just smacked you guys yesterday, Hochul and Adams, humiliated you. It's finally time to name and shame and ship the migrants back to the National Mall in Washington and let them deal with this Michigash. Seventy-seven WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC.
What do you mean I haven't done nothing? Yo, know, you purposely play this wrong way, Lou Rufino. You haven't done nothing by Stevie Wonder. What a way to go out as we've substituted all morning long Andrew Giuliani, yours truly, for styling and profiling Hollywood Sid Rosenberg filming another cameo appearance of a movie. He's on his way to the Hall of Fame in Hollywood, no doubt. I can't wait because then I'm making my bid to take over the morning whoa, show for whoa, like whoa, the whoa, fifth whoa, time. Whoa, 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 Four credits over here. You give him the Hall of Fame before you were given an Academy Award. You're kissing his tookus. I really hope he showered today because that is quite the ass kissing you just gave Sid well, Rosenberg. The right one there. who needs it is your dad. Your dad <laughs> was always there to help me and the Guardian Angels when nobody else were were. Even when he was U.S. Attorney for the Southern District and they were locking us up all the time, he, he said to law enforcement and to the mayor then, Koch, leave him alone. What are you doing? Yeah. Why? These guys and gals are great. And then uh, once he did get elected mayor, we never had a problem with the police again. Never. And he would actually do an intervention when uh, leaders around uh, the world, the various cities, uh, would be trying to stop us from organizing. He would make a call in his own time say, look, you know me, I'm the law and order guy. If you have a problem with Curtis, I'll straighten him out. Yeah. But try it. You'll like it. And he used the Ed Koch line. The guardian angels are like chicken soup. It can only help. It can't hurt you. <laughs> and, you know, naturally at that time he's known for law and order. Yeah. People would leave us alone and let us do our thing. And most times it was proven to be extraordinarily helpful to the city. So your dad is in need financially. They're just piling on this RICO conspiracy act charge in Fulton County. In addition to other charges, it's going to cost a lot of money to defend. How can people help? I know in Bedminster, uh, former President Donald Trump is hosting a fundraiser next uh, Thursday, September 7th. But in addition to that, how can yeah. they reach and, out? And obviously we know that's out of reach of the 99.99% of people where, you know, they're $100,000 a plate there. Thankfully, we've had a wonderful, wonderful response, not just from New Yorkers for that, but also from around the country. But, you know, if it's just a couple of dollars, it, it will ultimately go to Rudy Giuliani's legal fund. It's called the Rudy Giuliani Freedom Fund dot com and and again Curtis I'm very appreciative and and the thing that's been I think amazing for him to see as well as it is for me is just to see the amount of friends that he has the amount of people that are appreciative of of what he's done especially during a time over the last few years where the media has gone after every single day his reputation where well, the left has gone after his reputation so thank you Curtis when I was getting locked up outside of Creedmoor that was the first <laughs> of this trifecta right and I'm getting taken away to the 105th precinct, guess who calls up on my cell phone? Curtis, it's Rudy. Did you get yourself arrested? If you need any help, here I am, okay? I may need your help next week. Okay. <laughs> you are a character. <laughs> you know, he asked me the other day, as I was getting done with my show, and before I was going to substitute for your show, which I didn't even know about at the time, he said, did Sleewood get arrested again? And I said, I think so. I'm not sure yet. We're trying to figure this out. And he said, well, he seems to enjoy it a lot more than well, I do. This last one at Gracie <laughs> Mansion, they took me and the two old-timers, both 81 years old, they took us to the 28th precinct in Harlem. I thought that was kind of odd. There's yeah. lots of precincts before that. would be the 19th. And they photographed us and fingerprinted us. 
for a desk appearance ticket, which has never happened to me before. I've been photographed and fingerprinted for more serious mm-hmm. charges, which is understood. But to the 81-year-old folks, I said, what do you think? This is Mom Barker and Jesse James? Yeah. You want to bust my chops? That's fine. Let them go. They held this woman until after 12 midnight. 81 years old. Yeah, they're sending a message to all New Yorkers that they don't want you to get out there I, and practice your I First Amendment get, rights. I got to get that mugshot. Yeah. We got to compare it. You know, we can have who has this, <laughs> the, the better mugshot, you know, because you got to have a bulldog look. You can't be smiling. We can do like some kind of fundraiser off of this. Have shirts. Have dueling shirts. Yes. Sliwa and Rudy Giuliani. We got to throw Trump's in there. Trump's well. uh, uh, mugshot was great. Yeah. yeah he... Your your father's mugshot, he looked like the head of an organized crime family. I want my mugshot. I want to put it up. We should have a contest. Whose mugshot is the best? Because you always have to have that stern, serious look. If you smile... You can't smile. You're like Frank Morano, the mama ooh. Especially when you think about what's going on in our country, what's being violated, the political prosecutions. You can't be smiling in there. Oh, you don't want to miss the Rip and Read, 12 noon today to 1, when I rejoin all of you. And I have more information. Hopefully, they have not targeted Snug Harbor, that great cultural institution in Staten Island, former home for merchant seamen, for a migrant center. I'm telling you, they will never get to first base on that. I will personally be out there morning, noon, and night.